You're listening to Taverncast 38. Stuff your favorite drinking mug, order up a pint of strong ale, and settle in. It's time for another round of Tavern Cast with your hosts, Cromley, Eloysius, Infernal Bill, and Ken Kater. Welcome to Tavern Cast number 38. This is Infernal Bill. And this is Cromley. This is Eloysius. This is Card. Hey, you stuck around. With Eloysius, Inferno Bill, Cromley, Kern Kater, Karg, Hawkeye, Wiley, and a cast of hosts you haven't even met yet. <laughs> We're letting anybody is, wait, in now. Who the hell is Hawkeye and Wiley? Good question. <laughs> We're like spin-off characters brought in at the end to revitalize the series. <laughs> We've jumped yeah. the shark. Yeah, yeah, oh we're we're with a cross. We're on another show. We're actually crossed in. It's like the last dying gasp of the series. Cast. <laughs> we're some other show. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you know the show's jumped the shark is when you bring in crossover cast from other comedy shows. Right. We're we're on the we're the Night Rider podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. You guys definitely. So let's introduce. Uh, First of all, let's go with Wiley. Wiley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, and well, the Knight Rider Podcast. Knight, that's that's <laughs> NightRiderPodcast.com. Well, um, my name is Wiley. I have a giant tattoo of David Hasselhoff on my shoulder. I'm kidding about that. My name is Wiley. Uh, at least that's the name I'm going by here because I don't want people to know that I'm speaking out of school. I'm a friend of Cromley's from way back, and uh, so he taps me as his, uh, his source of knowledge on weapons and tactics and other things that polite society is not supposed to know about. Whenever it's needed for Tavern give a little bit. <laughs> give, a, give us a little bit of your uh, your real background that you're comfortable with sharing. My CV? Uh, well, credentials for the show. Because <laughs> everyone needs credentials. Uh, yeah, indeed. Believe us, we have I don't even know what the show's about yet. Yes, well, I was... So, uh, try and guess what the show's about from these credentials. I was uh, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. I was a uh, infantry rifleman, active duty, 2nd Division, hurrah. And after I got out of there, I got a job as a local law enforcement officer in a city that I will... Not named, but it's uh, in the south on the eastern seaboard. I have a little bit of knowledge about this stuff. In fact, I um, during Hurricane Katrina, I deployed to Gulfport, Mississippi to help with the, uh, the looting control down there. So I got to see a little bit of this stuff up close. All right, and let's go over to... Um, oh, oh, by the way, Wiley, did you want to say anything about um, your work on uh, the Knight Rider podcast? Um, well, I think people should just go over to www.nightrider.podcast and just see what comes up. <laughs> It's I gotta see what comes up right now. <laughs> I have right. no idea. What <laughs> I, I think it's actually at HasselhoffTightPants.com. Dude, Wiley, you're ripped. Look at that. Picture of you at the Hasselhoff. <laughs> I work out a little bit. Bill, am I sensing some interest Dude, over there what, in your toes? What is he? No, no. I'm just wondering why. I mean, you're in a you're in a speedo. Is this the right website? You might be looking at the new Knight Rider podcast. We're we're the old Knight Rider podcast. Officially, <laughs> address not found. Firefox can't find the server at www.nightriderpodcast.com. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, it's available. Which means we have an opportunity. Hey, Bill, the, the, uh, Bill, the site you're on does it say trial trial three weeks and fourteen ninety nine per month after that? Oh. 
No, I went www.manrider.podcast.com. That's it's an understatement. Uh, yeah, we don't have it. We don't have it. Right, and they're actually check. wearing speedos. So I guess that's good. <laughs> oh. oh, my bad. We don't have an age check on our. There side. goes the show right there. It always comes down to a few words, and that was it, baby. <laughs> All right, and let's go over and check out the other guest of the program and the other illustrious side host to the Knight Rider podcast, who is named Hawkeye. Hawkeye, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Hawkeye. I live in uh, some unnamed city in the north, and uh, I did not go down to Hurricane Katrina and help out, unfortunately. But my background is uh, software engineering and computer stuff, and that's how I know uh, Eloy and uh, Cromley here from way back in the day at at a company we will not name. That's at a company we will not name. An old and expired company. Right. This is like Tavern and, Cash um, Redacted. Right. And um, now uh, I do it on my own. And in the meantime, I also did some paramedic stuff. So I got licensed and did the work and had the fun and saw the stuff. And so I'm by no means a super-duper experienced paramedic, but... You know, I saw enough. And so so tell us a little bit about the more important issue, which is what are you doing on the com podcast? You know, they need a body double, so, you know, that's, <laughs> that's where I He has a in. lot of fun when he goes to Germany, that's all I can say. <laughs> man, you know, when man you see your hop, computer guy, have you, like, hacked into NORAD and stuff see, or anything well, like that? No, but I just want to say, actually, Wiley's tattoo is actually of me, not of the Hoff. So. <laughs> no, and he's, since he's a stand-in, wow. it's kind of close. <laughs> I've only known this man for 16 minutes, but we're, I feel like we're as close as brothers. <laughs> Basically, this is one big excuse um, that Taverncast uses to bring all of our ex, and or not ex, but just former non-podcasting <laughs> friends say, onto the show. Friends, Get out of here. <laughs> right. You know, I think it's a good excuse to have more people talking over each other, because we haven't had that enough. Often. Yeah, just to make editing. Shut just up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! What? Huh? What? what? Huh? Do we have to? Hey, here's a good point. We have to pass a token. What are you talking though? about? Hello? 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 What? I think that. Virtually. I can't. What? It's a tavern cast tradition. I think you may have peaked there. I, I don't know. Blood coming out of my ears. <laughs> but that might just be normal. may have melted a fiber optic cable in Nebraska somewhere. That's great, it starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not a Today, when the shite hits the fan, what do you do? When surviving is the only option, how do you do it? Well, that's the topic tonight on TC38. At the top of the second hour, author Matthew Stein is going to be with us talking about practical survival tips. He's the author of the book When Technology Fails, a manual for self-reliance, sustainability, and surviving the long emergency, and we are happy to have him with us. Also a program note, Kern Kader is still gone this week, but she'll be back uh, on the very next Tavercast. Um, so why don't you get up there and check out our junk. <laughs> you can check out our junk at www.taverncast.com. Get up there. we got cool forums and everything else. And give us a call if you'd like to leave us a cool message or uh, some goofy story. And by the way, stop sending us Warcraft stories on our <laughs> Skype line. We are not a Warcraft podcast. Do you people not listen when we tell you what kind of podcast we are? We tell you every show. 
the last show, we were a podcast about summer that really wasn't about summer. And the show before that, we were a podcast about strange, crazy anal corn. Get it straight, people. <laughs> Listen to what we're doing here and up. send us the right stories at our number, which is 734-418-8727. Also, check us out on iTunes and uh, please give us a good review or I guess a bad review, but we prefer a good review. But if you have a good story about Sporagar that we could put on After Hours, you know, please okay. oh, yeah. no. no, no, yeah, no, no more Warcraft. We no. Actually, if you could send more voicemails and emails about where Sporagar is at for the Eloy, it would really help him out. Because he was very, very confused. I'm drawing the line. As of this show, TC38, there is no more Warcraft. Warcraft's gone. Bye. No more. It so's the world. I was just. It's all about sex, drugs, and alcohol. Eloy, I was oh, just yeah. going to start playing. <laughs> We're finally going to sucker him in. Card, did you just say something about alcohol? Let's drink one more round on me. Let's sing an old Guys, what are we drinking? <laughs> what are we drinking? It sounds like a f***ing ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> From hell. I'll take a Bacardi. <laughs> Eric, you basically picked this. Why don't you? Um, yeah, yeah. You picked it by default. I picked it because because uh, Bryce picked one drink that had me going out and buying like eight bottles of booze, and um, <laughs> you know the, the show budget just doesn't allow that. You know, being a budget of zero. So what is this? So, What's it called? What's in so it? So this is called the End of the World, and it's a mixed uh, shot drink, and it basically it's a half ounce of whiskey, a half ounce of vodka, and a half ounce uh-huh. of one fifty one rum. Hold on. <laughs> What? Yeah, hello. Why don't you just give me the three wise men and send me on my way? And I'll be twenty-one again. <laughs> oh god! I have to tell you, I kind of screwed this up. I um, I just poured a full jigger of one fifty-one, a full jigger of bourbon, and a full jigger of rum. He's ready to go. That's a triple. <laughs> I made it a double. You made it I don't a triple. Know. I just filled a shot glass in thirds. So. I'm just saying, when we get down to the show, and I'm like, Eloy, the, the, the end of the world as we know it. Tia Tawaki is coming. What are you gonna do? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you're saying it won't be Tia that much. Tia no. is, is she related to like Tia Carrera or somebody? Because no, no, Tia Tawaki? So. Ooh, the, hey, you, is uh, that the first survival term of our show? Right. Survival term. We have to do that every time now, I think. Is, is survival term. <laughs> Bumper or whatever. What is Tia Tawaki, Eric? It's the end of the world as we know it. Survival term. I feel fine. <laughs> we need that. Isn't, isn't that, isn't that some Hawaiian dish? So should we drink this stuff now? Did you warm it up? It says serve warm. Yeah, it's lukewarm. I didn't put it on ice or anything. It's you, been in my pan. Do you drink it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his shot's been in his pants, not my shot. Is this a shooter sort of thing? I got the impression it's a shooter. This, I think it's a shooter. It smells like turpentine. Yeah, I think... It's a martini, Bill. Bill, it's a martini. Mandy. All right, this is so, going to be um, painful. Let's just go. Wubba, 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 woo. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers everybody. Cheers. Sirens coming in. Wow. Woo. It's surprisingly not as burn as I thought it would be. No, it's not, but it's, it's like... It's got some burn to it. It's like a but nuclear it blast. It, the shockwave's <laughs> hitting <it> me. <laughs> it'll, it'll creep up on you, I think. Oh, that's got some brutal aftertaste. Yeah, well, I, I didn't exactly buy the top-of-the-line whiskey or vodka here, so... Old granddad! I feel like that? Northern Light and Kam- Kamchatka Vodka. Kamchatka? Yeah, well. I feel like that um, that mouth fungus that I was trying to get rid of has pretty much been taken yeah, care so of. Yeah, the lining of your esophagus. Lordy. 
You know, the sad oh, thing is, it's like more drinkable than you, that beer. You can use it to strip paint afterwards. I feel like I'm drinking against a fat guy, and I want to raise my hand and go, Pistore! Pistore! <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember uh, last time we were talking about what exactly defines a man-man's drink? I think this <sighs> might come pretty damn close. Yeah, this is when you order it. If it only had tobacco. Hi, what do you think? I'll take an end of <laughs> the world. We could put Tabasco in it just because. <laughs> yeah. I'm not drinking it because I don't yeah. want to buy all that alcohol. That's right. What are you drinking, Wiley? Uh, I am actually drinking a delightful mix, which is made from uh, Tanqueray's Rangpur Gin, water, and the grape-flavored beverage base powder from MRE Number no. 3 Beef Ravioli. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. We just, we just missed something important. Hold on. Survival, sir. What is an MRE, Meal Wiley? Meals rejected, but oh, wait, no. An MRE is a type of uh, pre-packed military food. It's uh, very high in calories. It's intended to support troops in combat. It stands for meal, comma, ready to eat, or might require emergency, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> I had an MRE when I got a migraine headache. I went and I was like, doctor, I've got the NC spots. And he's like, oh, i got to order you an MRE. And I was like, all right, whatever. And they put me in this big machine. I didn't get any food. So I think I missed the whole. It was like this weird thing, and I went in. So, I think you should ask for your. It money was back. like freaky, you know. That sounds like the chicken with rice. Oh, all right, I finished off my double. <laughs> End of the world. <laughs> well, ours is done. If you oh, want to oh, oh. <laughs> well, you you've ended two worlds. So uh, let's stop drinking and start getting into this because I think we've got a, a pretty action-packed show that we need to survive. Get it? Get it? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Not really. What do you what do you what are you driving at? I don't know, nothing. I just pretty much failed. Well I thought to kind of kick this thing off, I would start with a uh, I guess you would call it a sort of a game or a, a list of scenarios and and just kinda of go around the table with everyone else here and see, you know, basically if this were happening to you at this moment, or say, you know, sometime during the day today, how would you have reacted? And I think it's actually this is something the audience can think about too as they're hearing these things. Like Obviously, they haven't had any time to think about this ahead of time, so it kind of gives you a good, good uh, opportunity to see just if you are actually prepared for some of these things. And so, I think the first step I'd like to go with is. Uh, uh, so we're record. Are, are we? Are we like recording? So we're recording right now. Yeah. And then, uh, and then suddenly. Yeah. So like, hey guys. say we're recording right now. It's you know it, over here. It's almost midnight on the, uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. Over there, it's like you know seven in the afternoon or whatever it is over. <laughs> You know, there's Hawaiian girls with we're good with man. grass shirts or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's, that's actually true. Um, Karg, Bill, and yeah, I all have yeah. Hawaiian girls with grass skirts. No, no, no. Right I, I actually said grass Don't shirts. Don't rub it in, dude. But, you know. Coconut bra. Thank you. I think we resolved Half that. Half of a coconut bra, yes. Um, <laughs> so say you're, you're, that is the situation, and uh, the power goes out. <laughs> so I'm sure all of you have had this happen before. God damn it. Hey, Nicole, can you fix the, the goddamn circuit breaker went out? Sir, hey, you guys can't hear me. What? Come on. God damn Hi, hon. Thanks so much. Would you mind changing? Thank you. Love you. You guys ever you guys ever see that movie, A Christmas Story? Yes. Bill reminds me of the dude who's always trying to fix his furnace in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> purposes, it's, it's a grand reward. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, the major reward. It's fragile. So the power goes out. But let's say it goes out and it's been out for, say, ten minutes. So... And I mean, here it's it's dark. So, um, is it important to know uh, to know why it went off? Well, you don't know at this point, do you? I mean, how would you find out? Okay, so so it's not like there's a storm or something. Yeah, going nothing on nothing's going coming. on that you know of. It's not like you you know there's a thunderstorm going on or all right, so destruction this, or something. If, if we're rating this in terms of levels, this is like this a is level like the one yeah, this is something that we've thing. all experienced. Okay. This isn't yeah you know, brain surgery here. Right. If power's off for more than fifteen minutes, I automatically conclude zombie apocalypse. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a safe all bet. All right, well right you know you got to be prepared, right? Just assume the worst and be pleasantly surprised. All right, so. Um, Hawkeye, what would you do? So, seeing as I mean, given that the time here it's dark out and everything, as once, once Hawkeye, I'm just gonna call him Lady Ace from now on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just call him whatever you want. Right? I'm gonna call him Chantilly Lace. <laughs> I'm gonna have another Scarlet. Drink. Okay, go. All right. Uh, okay, the Baroness. What do we got? <laughs> um, all right. If it's out more than five minutes, I'm going around turning off my power strips so that I don't fry all my electronics when it comes back. All right. Gathering up a few flashlights and so you, have, you do actually have like flashlights. Yeah, I got a little around stash. the house and candles I got a little, and batteries and I got a yep, I got a little like all right emergency. You have like a, area a radio stash. and a... I actually do. I have a wind up radio. You have a wind up radio. Wow. Yeah, I've got one of those too. You know, I would immediately also make a call to uh, to uh, what is it, Mishcon or whatever, mm-hmm. and find out or well, CTE. Time out. Wait, Bryce oh, went offline. We, Sorry, we lost somebody. Oh, he lost power. He lost power. <laughs> he got eaten by zombies. <laughs> oh, my God. The apocalypse right, has let me begun. bring him back in. Quick. <laughs> that wouldn't is that actually be, what that would happen. would be convenient happen? right during the podcast? It all just went to sh- One down. <laughs> uh, so the zombies lose power. Brains. We figured your power went out. 
So what about the rest of you? I mean, say going around, do you have like the basic stuff that you know everyone's supposed to have? The batteries and the yeah, yeah I've got uh, I've got a bunch of ba- I got a lot of batteries and a lot of flashlights um, just because of the work that I do at the police yeah. department. We have a lot of flashlights. I have a I have a battery powered lantern that I bought a couple of years ago, and I've also like um, like Hawkeye. I've got one of those wind up uh, multi power source radios. It can plug in. It can uh, adapt to the car. It can take batteries, and you can just wind it up if you want to crank it for five minutes to get. 30 seconds of power or whatever the thing is. Well, I mean, let me go through a couple of things that, that's going to happen. For one thing, you know, obviously, if you don't have a radio or a wind-up radio or a battery-operated radio with batteries, you're going to be able to find out what's going on. The TV's going to be down. Cell, cell phones will be down. Well, what? cell phones may or may not be down, but if everyone starts calling with their cell phone, they'll be down. Regular landline phones Do you remember, work. actually, after the uh, power outage in um, 2004? Was it? 2003, yeah. 2003, do you remember? Yeah, actually, I was, I was uh, kind of going off you that. and I talked via cell phone shortly after the power went out. So the cell phones were up for a little while, but I remember they had some circuit problems, like there was too many people trying to use the, the system. Yeah, and they certainly had more problems in the larger areas like New York and stuff. Although if you're in somewhere like New York, there's, you're more likely to find somewhere that's run off a generator or something that you can... Dumb question then. Does that mean that the cell towers are not powered by the, the uh, electrical backbone? I think, uh, I think I think they have generator backup, generators. or at least batteries. They're, they're, I think they're on isolated power. They don't. Well, I think yeah, I think probably most places like hospitals, you know, presumably police stations, things like that, run off of uh, you know run off the main power normally, but then have generator backup. Yeah, for, we've, uh, we've we've got one. We've stuff. got one at the central um, the central headquarters for the police department. We've got one. It's actually um, up on concrete risers to keep it out of floodwaters too. Yeah, New or- New Orleans did not do that during uh, during Katrina. Yeah, there's a lot of things problems. New Orleans didn't do. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I, I think you, you guys are all being too practical about this. <laughs> I would so, just get Eric, on the what internet. What would you do? I, I would just get on the internet to find out what's yeah, going on. Get on the internet. On. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Derek to say I would use the moment to take my time to use it as a moment of love with my significant other, <laughs> <laughs> or somebody walking yeah, but, down the street. No, but, but, but seriously, I mean, all, all you guys are prepared. Well. Supposedly, uh, all you guys have batteries and lights and all that stuff, but that's probably for every one of you. There's probably maybe what a thousand out there who don't have this ready. Well, that's why we're doing this podcast. Oh, I said I, I actually had um, a um, power outage here a few months back, and all we did was just pack the kids and get on the car and go out. And there's, uh, there's that's radio in the car. car. power at midnight. Uh, oh, now it was like at nine thirty at night. Yeah. All right, no, 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 let's just roll with that. Let's just say that's what you do. You're going to go outside and take a ride? Fine, let's see what uh, let's see what happens next. Everybody does something different. That's the beauty of this. Well, and I think that that's, that's good to point out is that if you if you don't have any of this stuff, I mean, most people have access to a car. They can at least turn it on and run on the battery and turn on the radio to find out what's going on or run off, you know, run, some, run the engine if the ba- they're worried about the battery dying. Well, let's just say now so that um, it, it stopped and it's been stopped, like, for six hours now so i mean the people here you know where it's midnight we probably just go to bed obviously you know and find out what's going to happen in the morning although you know the alarm clocks are not going to go off to wake us up guess i'll have to go to work tomorrow yeah we may not have to go to work but i mean over on the on the west coast i don't know what would you do anything different if, if it hits the the four to six hour mark and you haven't heard anything basically the the news is saying you know yeah we know the power's out we still don't know why i'm kind of referring back to the 2003 power outage i mean the people on the west coast weren't there but here it was about 50 million people that lost power and there was no it wasn't until months later that we found out exactly what had caused it there was all kinds of rumors floating around and 
you know, supposition. Yeah, honestly, I remember when and... the power went out that first time, I instantly assumed terrorist stuff yeah, again. Yeah, this was like two it years It was so after close after 9-11, we were all waiting for something else to happen, and yeah. something that magnitude uh, struck me as being, you know, totally terrorist in nature, so. Yeah, I mean, especially when they started saying things like, oh, well, it was just some down power line somewhere in Ohio that caused it, you're like, but. I mean, what the hell's wrong with our <laughs> our power grid if a couple power lines down in Ohio takes out power for 50 million people? But. I knew they were going to commit a fatwa against the power lines in Ohio. Look, if they were before, they all are all now. I could, all I could think about back then when the, when the power went out when I was, I was still in Michigan was like, EverQuest is down! That's <laughs> <laughs> true. We all have our we all have our priorities and our benchmarks of civilization. Yeah. Now, see, I, I would have if it was seven or eight or nine o'clock here, I would have brought out a radio and had a big block party, passed around some Coca Colas, you know. Yeah, Roman but... Cola, or or the end of the world <laughs> mixed drink. Is it? That's what I Honestly, heard. Honestly, when in New I York. think of um, when I think of committing a uh, electric power line jihad, I always think about doing it in the state that the Ohio Buckeyes play football in. <laughs> Whatever. Who won their Ooh. game last week? <clears throat> Boom. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can't, Boom. can't hear you. I, you, you should see my new Utah shirt I got. I could it goes be, well with I could Appalachia be, State I could be shirt. Young Sound of State, dude. It, it Come could on. be worse. It could be Appalachian State. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, hang on. Now, when when there's a blackout, you know, cell phone services and all that stuff are usually down. But what has been the best service that actually allows you to get through or has enough lines? I mean, there'll never be enough, but... Well, I don't know. I don't know what service you guys have, but um, sat, maybe that should be a sat phone. A, yeah, sat phone might be your <laughs> only option. I mean, the cell phone towers can get filled up. Landlines go down pretty much usually. You might be able to make local calls on a landline, but I don't think you'd be able to make long distance. Right. I think the capacity's gone up quite a bit since 2003 and before that. Especially 2001. yeah, with cell I mean, 2001 that was like a big wake up call for but plug, you know plugged in. Speaking, plugged though, in landlines function better in power loss. Yeah, yeah. I've got one. I've got one old style phone that you don't need to plug in. I mean, practically speaking, though, if the power goes out in your house, there's not. It doesn't seem to me like there's a big effect other than the mental one, which is that you know, especially if it happens at night. You know, obviously you lose all your lights and you don't have the ability to turn lights on or get light in any way. So, especially if it's not a bright night, um, it can almost get a little bit claustrophobic. It's, it's just this mental anxiety you have of not being able to, you know, see what the heck is going on, not be able to know what the heck is going on. But other than that, really, there's no, um, you know, at least unless there's something that I don't know about. It's like, well, you may have some food spoil in the refrigerator if it goes for a really long time, but you just kind of keep your refrigerator closed. But it doesn't seem like a big, giant deal if suddenly the electric goes out, you know, less than 24 hours, then I guess. No, that becomes... And, the, and even something? then, it becomes annoying unless there's, like, some precipitating factor that makes everybody worry, you know? Well, okay, so let's say, you know... You know, you go to bed or whatever. You get up the next day and uh, the power's still out. And on the radio, they're saying that the water is out now. Um, toilets are starting to back up if you use them too many times. And uh, if you're getting any water, they're saying you should boil it for 15 minutes before using it. I go to my neighbor's, borrow his bathroom. <laughs> I, borrow, I go to my neighbor's, I borrow his swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, swimming pool, there you go. No, this actually happened during the 2003 blackout, actually, in uh, Detroit here, well, near here. They had to boil their water for four days. They're having problems with it. They had to boil their water for, for four, four days? days after that blackout. It's it was about a one-day blackout. That is dirty water. So. That is very dirty water. Yeah. 
See, now here's something that just occurred to me that probably um, helps prove the point that uh, some of us are not as prepared as others. But it just dawned on me when you brought this up that I, what I should have done is filled my bathtubs up, sterilized and filled my bathtub up with water and sterilized and filled up a bunch of, you know, old milk jugs or containers with water. And it's a little too late when your water's well, but not you don't. My point was you don't do think that. of that. When the, when the power exactly. first goes out, it's, it's been out for 10 minutes. You're not going to run around filling up your bathtub. Yeah, it's, and, it's not too late either. It's not too late. You can boil it. Well, but one of the, the other points, though, it. is it can be a little tricky you, to boil you your boil water it, if you have no power. Well, you got camp well, stoves, right? If you have a gas stove or go out and light a fire in a barbecue, barbecue grill. Barbecue, barbecue grill, grill, right. There yeah. you go. You know, it's another example of how awesome grilling is. Yes. I just want to bring up this point. Grilling is fantastic in so many ways. Not only can well, you here's another, steak, but you can boil your water. Another important thing about grilling, though, is that if you have food that's going to spoil, you might want to have that barbecue. Yeah. Because and that you know, block party. You know, raid your freezer and, get, and, and grill all your beef because it's going to go. All your brats. So I look forward to the next time the power and water go out. This is going to be one hell of a party. <laughs> yeah. So let's say your, your water is your the water's totally out. You know, they've, they've issued a, a uh, boil water advisory, but you're not getting anything out of the taps at all. So uh, let's go with Wiley. What do you do? Um, well, I'm fortunate in the sense that I, I live near some water sources. Um, I live near the, near the coast and near some rivers. So if it came to it, I could go get that water, but it would require a lot of treatment and boiling because you don't even want to know what's in there. I was going to say the coast water. That would yeah, be salt water. Salt water, right? Too well. a, little, a little salty. I mean, no, I guess you could distill there, it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could, you could, if you have a way to desalinate it, which I really don't. I'm, I'm assuming here that there's no retail water left. You know, if you yeah, go to the that would get store, bought out pretty any... quick, I think. The other thing is, with the power out, they might not be able to even take credit cards. You might not be able to buy it if you don't have cash. I have gold. <laughs> they might not be taking the Krugerrands yeah. yet. Uh, Bill, what would you do? Here's my spoiled child. He's a good worker. He has little hands that fit inside the shells. <laughs> so, Bill, what would you do in that uh, situation? Uh, if there's no water, that's, um, I have no idea. I'd go over and I'd, I'd drink the water out of my neighbor's tap, because his would work. Actually, I've, I've got no idea. I mean, if the, that's, that is one of the fears. I mean, in, in our house, we've got a bunch of jugs of water, like, stored up in the attic, and, you know, around my wife's really kind of paranoid about it, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves for, for preparedness. But if we weren't prepared, I mean, I think we'd be <laughs> you know, there'd be nothing. There's no water around. You, you, you know, there, there's. I mean, I've seen you know these survival shows on TV where they talk about you know catching water, or desalinating water by putting it in a pit and trying to have it evaporate. But you know, I got a family of five. I mean, that that's like a big <laughs> undertaking. I mean, maybe you, we could try to ransack somebody's pool yeah. and hope that the chlorine. And you live in LA. Us, I mean, even if it's been. Uh... Evaporates. You want to drink that water, and you got to use it to fight fires. In yeah, LA, just, you know? Well, and here, here's another point: is that they say that you know you require somewhere between one and two liters of water per day, each person, depending on how active you are and how hot it is and things like that. And they're kind of saying that you should probably have about a gallon of water per day, just so that you have something to cook with and something to to wash with and things like that. And so yeah, I mean, even so, I mean, you know evaporating stuff in the backyard or whatever, I <laughs> I, I doubt you're going to make that much. So. Hawkeye, what, what would you do? Well, something we haven't really talked about is, do you have a go location? Like, can you do it to keep some extra gas on hand? And I, like, for instance, we got a cabin up north on a river. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden the water supply was gone, I'd be like, hmm, why don't we just chuck everything in the car and just get the hell out of here? Sure. Well, and, and the other thing that you should keep in mind with using like local water sources, like Wiley was saying, is that if you're in a city, 
And yeah. people aren't, you know, their toilets are backed up, and I think you'd be better off not drinking water, any water, than drinking that water. Bryce, what would you, uh, what would you like to say about it? Well, I mean, I guess in my current situation, like Bill, I actually have stored water, but I probably only have enough to get me through, yeah, I don't know, a week and a half, maybe a little bit more than that if I stretch it. And that's not that's not talking about uh, taking a bath or using it for any kind of sanitation purposes. It's just for drinking, and it's just for two. Sure. So uh, I don't know. I'm kind of up up uh, Scheidt's Creek without a paddle as well as some of you guys <laughs> Literally, perhaps. as far as knowing what yeah. to do. How about you, Derek? you have any water on hand if it were to uh, get to a point where they weren't, you couldn't get anything, any tap water, you couldn't buy water? No, I, I think, well, we always have water here, so that, that won't be an issue for us. You always have water there? We have like those, a few of those, couple of those big gallons on standby anyway. How, mu- so. how much? Just off the top of your head, do you know? Oh, just those two big, you know, those, those big, uh, like, uh, like vending those, type like 10 gallon. big gallons of water. Oh, the five gallon. So you have a couple. So you have like ten that's, gallons, that's maybe the only if they're thing full. We're prepared for is no water. Well, but there's four of you. You know, right. ten gallons is two days. Yeah, I mean, even with kids. Well, especially with kids, that's only a few days. You could capture their urine. <laughs> you could drink the you urine. That's first. true. <laughs> haven't gone there yet. <laughs> Valentine's Okay, so let's say now it's it's been another day. You're going through your your bottled water, and uh, you know you're trying to perhaps you're you're asking some some neighbors for water, that kind of thing, or they're asking you for water. There's still basically no information. The power's still out. The water's not working. The uh, government has declared a curfew in your city because of. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a, that's a big step. <laughs> no way, dude! I'm out partying. I don't care what the man has to say. I have a right. You gotta fight for your right to party. You know what I'm saying? I think it was uh, Einstein who said that best, right? So Bill's out right? Who's with me? Come on, people! I guess that answers your question about Bill. He becomes an activist. He becomes an activist in a martial law situation, which is oh so smart. I, I, I'm suspecting that Bill, once he runs out of water, just switches to tequila or something. So. Have have we seen any mushroom cloud? No, you haven't seen anything. There are rumors, though. Say there's there's rumors when you talk to neighbors or people around town of, you know, you know how it would be. There would be rumors of terrorist attacks and all that kind of stuff. Do, do, have we seen in this scenario? Like, have we heard any official statement from from the government, or have we seen authorities like the police? Well, or? yeah. I mean, you see the police out on the streets, obviously. And hi there, <laughs> hi Officer Wiley, <laughs> and uh, and they're all very nice and polite. <laughs> Yes, but except no. when I'm chasing Bill. <laughs> and they're getting very tired because they're all working all the time. Don't take-
tase me, man! <laughs> Don't tase me, dude! <laughs> Don't tase me, bro! Don't tase me! <laughs> Come on, Wiley! I thought we were bros! Don't tase me! <laughs> That's a survival term, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Don't tase me, dude! Stop <laughs> resisting! Stop <laughs> resisting! <laughs> <laughs> I'm infernal Bill from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, so yeah, so it's been a couple days. I mean, do, do any of you think that you'd be doing anything different at this point, or I mean, what's the point at which you think that it might be time to leave, or it might be time to I would have hit that stick point around? Right now. I would have gotten so bored. Yeah, sitting at home without any power, without anything to do. That's true. I mean, I mean we're in the software no industry, so it's like no you work. can't go to work. So yeah. it's like, what am I going to do? It's like, ah, let's get the hell out of here. It's forced vacation. <laughs> the roads have got to be jammed. Uh, north. I'm going to go up to the cabin, man. So you do have a cabin, so I mean, do you think that uh, what if everyone else is having the same kind of ideas? I got extra gas. I can get up there with half a tank. Really. So, Okay. I got a, I got enough gas. Well, what about the rest of you? Do you have somewhere that you would go, or that you would at least be thinking about going at that point? Oh no, <laughs> no? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, you're not gonna pack the kids up for a road trip. I mean, we could, but I mean, I live in L.A. Everything would be just jammed, just jammed, and there's not like a vacation house that you know the Infernal Clan has that we can go in. If there was, it would be like you know Big Bear, and 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 the roads up to mm-hmm. there would be insane. I mean, it would just yeah. it would be insane to get out there. So it's. It's weird living, you know, in a in a major metropolitan city. I, I'm I'm more concerned about hunkering down here because you see stuff about like looting and um, you know rioting and that sort of stuff. The you know it's it's all of a sudden becomes like you know you're you become afraid of your fellow man uh, more than anything else. Really, has it ever crossed? Like obviously, uh, Eloy, you live in. In a large city in the West, and Inferno Bill, you live in another large city in the West. Does it ever play into your thoughts? Like, do I want to be in this place because something could happen, or we could be a target, or it's kind of along the lines of what Bill was saying there? Well, sure, but uh, I think about it a lot. But it, see, there's this—I I mean, this is going to open up a whole other subject, which I don't think we want to do right this second because I think we're going to go here, but. I mean, you know, you're going to have a retreat. Like, okay, so I live in the Bay Area, California. So my closest retreating point would probably be the Sierras, straight east, or maybe north into like Humboldt County, north of Mendocino. That's actually a little bit further than mm-hmm. the Sierras. But those are the two most isolated areas I can think of to get to. And then you're talking about like I've got to afford a cabin or some kind of place up there, maybe a piece of land with a motorhome on it or something like that. But more importantly, I have to yep. get there. And how do you know that the power outage, which may be short term, is actually some sort of collapse scenario that I have to get my car and start driving out? And then what route do I take? And what if they're not letting me out? And what if our buddies like Wiley are on the road preventing well, us and, from and what if you and, roads? You know, I'm sorry, sir, this is a quarantine. <laughs> you area. and 20 million of your buddies are <laughs> yeah. deciding to go north. Millions and millions Millions of people going trying to get out but of the city. But now we know Wiley, so we're good, right? Yeah, Wiley will let us in. <laughs> we'll go camp out of his house. Ah, uh, you guys are cool. <laughs> well, Wiley, I, I suspect I know the answer to this, but I mean, do you, would you be thinking at some point about leaving, or would you be sticking where you're at? Well, I mean, the thing is, if there's any kind of emergency situation, I would be at work, and I would be at work for the foreseeable. Uh, when we had a major hurricane hit the city where I work uh, a few years ago, this was before I actually worked there. I mean, they had office. They had officers 
in cots in the hallways of the police station. I mean, they, they bring you in, and you don't get to go home. When I was down in Gulf, well, when well, I was down in Gulfport, for example, we worked with a lot of Gulfport cops who were essentially homeless at that point. They were living out of their squad cars, and they didn't. They I mean, they couldn't go home. They couldn't take care of anything because they were in the station. If they weren't on duty, they were asleep in the station somewhere. So, what do you do if you've got like loved ones at home? Let's say you've got a wife and kids, and you got to head out to work at, in an emergency like that. What would you do? What would, or what what would were you those do for cops them? doing? Well, what yeah. what you have to do is you have to make you have to make arrangements before anything happens, and that's they they go over this this with us every year around hurricane time. They say you got you have to have a plan, and I think that's that's not a bad general piece of advice for for anyone, not just cops or military or people who would be expected to deal with the situation. But I mean, even utility workers or gas pipeline employees and things like that, you know, where you're going to be at work. If a, if a disaster gets bad enough, and so the time to, to plan what's going to happen with your family is ahead of time, and it wouldn't be a bad idea to have uh, another location they can go to. Uh, if they've got family in another area, if they've got, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a cabin up in the woods, you know, they could go there. So they, they wouldn't be in the area, and you wouldn't have to worry about them. But that's kind of a special case. Well, and here's another point, though, is that, I mean, with, with a hurricane, they at least have some forewarning that you can get those people out of town. But, you know, the kind of the scenario we're working with here, you don't necessarily – I mean, you know the power is out, but you don't know when it's coming back. You don't know – I mean, it, it's hard to draw a line where you can say, okay, now it's time to go, I think, in that situation. Well, well and all I'm saying is that there's – as much as I would like yeah. to go, people like me, I, I can't yeah. go anywhere. I, I simply don't have the resources to be able to pick up and leave. And to do something as foolhardy as just get in the car and drive into the wilderness is, I mean, that could be certain death. So I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah, well, and especially, I mean, if you're hearing rumors from other people that, that, that you can't get anywhere or you get turned back or, or whatever, you know, happens like that. Uh, Derek, as someone who has, you know, a couple small kids, do, do you, I mean, have you ever thought about this, what you'd do in a situation where you had to go or thought you had to go? Um, well, we do We do have actually emergency bags by the door. Really? Um, and that's that's because, yeah, I mean, and that's really, that comes up from the fear of us moving from Michigan to California and being an earthquake state. It's actually encouraged us to be more prepared. And so we have a bag for the kids and a bag for us, uh, clothing, toothbrush, everything brand new uh, in a bag. Huh. And uh, we have some extra stuff in our back in our SUV in the back of the trunk. And if we had to leave, worst case scenario, we'll leave everything behind, grab our bags, and hop in the car and go. And we'll probably we'll probably be okay for a couple of days actually on the road. Yeah. Where would you go? I'm just curious. Where would you go? Uh, Steven Spielberg's got a nice place, I hear. But I mean, are you are you just leaving to try to like you're assuming that maybe somewhere else things will be normal? Is that where you're thinking you're going to go? Well, by the time I get to the car, the radio should give me some information, right? So based on that, and oh, by the way, another crucial thing that I think if if we're talking about survival mode and all that, uh, GPS is definitely a good investment. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even so just plain old paper maps that's because a good one. Yeah. you know you might not be able to get Google Maps on your cell phone. Right. <laughs> so I would I would probably go. To towards a really boring state or a boring area. <laughs> You're gonna come back to Michigan. <laughs> uh, you know. There's no work here anyway. It just be I, like normal. I, 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 I didn't say a date state. I said I didn't say a hopeless. Hello, state. Oh, oh, boring. All Wait, right. is that emergency so. bag at the door for immigration, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> La migra. 
No speak English, fair lies, no speak English. Eastern world, it is exploding, violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, but you tell me. Okay, so so let's say it's been like like three day, three or four days now, and uh, you decided to just stay where you're at, just for the to make this a little smoother. So here's the question: How much food do you guys have on hand? Three days for however many people are in your household. You got a lot of formula. Four. I mean, hmm? you know, four four for four people. Yeah. I think we 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 will we will be okay for at least three days. Three days. Um, yeah, and uh, oh god, before what? Before you starve to death? Before, I mean, you're gonna, you're probably okay for a long. Time yeah, that's. that's I mean, you can go for weeks without food. I'm just saying, but but you, right. people are gonna react once they start getting hungry. Well, we actually have a farm. A few, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah, at our cabin up north, we also <laughs> have a cabin, farm and cattle yeah. and a ranch <laughs> with ranch hands. Beer runs out of the faucet. Can you tell us, Hawkeye, exactly where your farm is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, give us uh, an address here. It's in that it's in that nebulous region up north. Up north. Yeah. <laughs> See again, I'm uh, I'm a product of knowing better but still being woefully unprepared. I mean I've probably got I've got a little bit over a week yeah. and a half worth of uh, food mm-hmm. for two. Um, but that's it. And so if it goes, if it's something that's a catastrophic collapse of some sort that goes longer than a week and a half, I'm like everybody else. Well, and I think, like I, I, like I said, we have guns, right, Brian? Well, sure, but what am I going to do? Go take it from somebody else? I'd be, I, I'm not going to go out there and, uh, that, that's not me. If, if all hell so, broke loose and you were just dying of hunger, you wouldn't. Well, I, I think, you know, what, what the real risk, though, is that after, even if you have food for a week or two, most people, I suspect, don't. And so I guess the question I want to get to now is like, let's say it's been three or four days. You're you're, you're starting to wonder how long your food's going to hold out, and your neighbor comes up and asks you for food. What do you do at that point? Well, you got to hide it. Right? <laughs> I I would lie. I would say I okay. don't have any either. How about you? That's my that's my first one. I don't how about have. You, okay. Um. How well do I know the guy? I don't know. I don't know your neighbors. Do you a right. good friend? <laughs> if it's what is Bryce, he offering? Sh- if it's Eloy, I'd probably share it. If it's uh. You know, Bill, maybe not. You know. Bill, you're telling me to <laughs> <laughs> It's Bill, I start shooting. I shoot the bastard. Bill, what about Wasn't you? Was I chasing you down the street with a nightstick earlier? <laughs> yeah, How do you like the screaming in my ear now, motherfucker? <laughs> what about you, Bill? What would you do in that situation? You know, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. I mean, like, on the one hand, you want to think that you'd be, you know, magnanimous, and if you had more than enough. But I mean, you never—you don't know when this thing is going to end, and you hear all these stories about people like freaking out, and you know, I saw Twilight Zone once where a guy went nuts and shot another neighbor, and you know, not that it's going to be like that, but it's—it's it's like um, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I could only fathom to guess that at 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 first I would probably try to be, you know, close with my next door neighbors and the neighbors you know around us that are down the street especially if they've got like little kids and stuff and you know because i mean food goes a long way i think the scary one is water if like you're trying to ration water because everybody yeah. needs it always seems like you need a ton
tons yeah. of water. And well, they and, say like three days you know, you need is it. all you'll go without water before you're gone. So right. So like everybody on the block is going to be you know you you may have rationed you know have like five or six days of water, but like your neighbors with kids don't have enough water, and you know what are you going to let those kids right. like die? I, I mean that that's not going to happen. Yeah. So. Um, but then you got your own kids to help, and it's a tough call. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know what that is. It's do. one of those things, Bill, though. I mean, if you don't have kids and your neighbor has kids, you're more likely to share. But what if you have kids, which you do, and I myself do too? It, I think it'll, it'll be a, it, it's less of a moral decision than a survival you know, decision. I don't know. I don't know if that's actually accurate. I, I, I think, actually, if you had kids and your neighbors had kids and they were running out, I think you'd be more likely to share than if I were my selfish, you know, non-kid-having guy, be like, well, I'm just covering my own ass, you know? Yeah. Like, you'd, you'd identify with them what, more. What if, so, so let me put you in that situation, Mike. What if there's only enough left for your you and your kid for one day? Well, that's different. And... That, that puts a twist on it, though. If there was only enough right, but left eventually you'll come I, to that point. I, well, actually, I was going to actually interrupt what Bill was saying. That actually brings up an, an interesting thing and I may be jumping the gun again here is when do you start you know going around your neighbors and saying hey look let's get together let's organize let's figure you know let's let's pool our stuff and make it last and do this and you know figure organize. out what's going on you know when do you wh- yeah but here's the thing right this is actually something that that I thought of that that is again a reason why you would want to plan ahead is because if you actually bought food for yourself and then sprung for the money to buy extra supplies, not for you per se, but extra for your neighborhood, you could potentially turn a really bad situation into a much more secure situation by providing some supplies and goods for your, you know, your close neighbors slash friends slash relatives, whoever's in the neighborhood or nearby, so that you can kind of shore up a little fort of people because there's strength in numbers there. And if you have the ability to help, you know, perpetuate a, a little group there, um, ten to one, you might you might uh, provide some more security for yourself in a situation like that. Yeah, I, I don't ag- I don't really agree. We saw a lot of that in the hurricane zone, actually. Really? Yeah. That um, yeah, that groups of people. You would go back into these into these neighborhoods along East Beach Boulevard where the a lot of the houses have been wiped out, and there would be all these signs up that said, you know, homeowner armed, you know, looters will be shot, this kind of thing, and you'd go back there, and there would be everybody from the neighborhood all kind of hanging out together. They all brought whatever was in their refrigerator they brought all of their you know their water and their fuel and their supplies and this guy had a generator and you know that guy had a solar panel and you know this guy had a shotgun and and they would come together and essentially create a a small little society homeowners association to to band together for strength next thing they're deciding what kind of flowers you can plant in your front yard it's like a neighborhood association in our new society we need to start making some rules and the first rule of order is you got to elect a president. And I think I should be a president. Okay, all in favor? Nay. Hell, come on, you guys. Shoot that bastard. I'm going to be the president because I've got the gun. <laughs> Who's the treasurer? We need bylaws. Like in Hurricane <laughs> right. Katrina situation, right? I mean, those guys knew that there was help. I mean, granted, they didn't know when or how long it'll take or if the help would ever arrive or and all that. Well, and they knew that there know, was a place that you could but, go outside of the zone. Right. Which is something you right. may not know. Whereas, but they didn't. They didn't have any way to get there. As, right, as, right, pract- right. as a practical still, matter, there's still an end. There's still an end. I mean, they, at least they knew there was somewhere. And to they go. knew that there Whereas, was help coming at some point, someday. Right. 
Right. It and, might be. And, and more in, in, in Eric's situation, it's more like, okay, I have no idea what's going to happen. And if you know, there's no sign of help coming and all that stuff. Now, granted that I might have enough supplies to share with my neighbor, but do I want to keep it in reserve just in case it doesn't pan out that it's going to be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks? What happens later when I'm the only person who has supplies? And there's always going to be that one bastard who will betray you in the group, right? That you got to watch your back out for. And, you know, in, in, in a survival mode, I think it's different than, than a natural disaster mode. Yeah. How so? Well, I mean, let, 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 let's say there's an earthquake, right? Uh, like in China, right? Or whatever here, that, if it happens. And everyone gets together, right? Because it's something that we're familiar with. We know what the outcome is for the survivors. We know eventually help will arrive. Right. Well, and it and it, it 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 affects a, a more limited area than if it's a nationwide thing. I think is kind of what you're getting at, right? To Correct. some extent. Correct. Right. Right. There's a region so, that's affected, but yeah. I, no, I, I agree with I agree with Derek 100. percent If it's a if we're assuming that we don't know if it's coming back up, and it's a thing that's going on, you know, day after day. If it, look, if it goes into week after week, people are going to really think it's not coming back. And, and that, if that's the case, I think exactly what Derek's saying is right, where people are going to start going from the mindset of maybe what they did in Katrina. And actually, I saw the same thing, uh, Wiley, in uh, Hurricane Andrew, where people were barricading up their neighborhoods or whatever. But I think that only goes so far, because what happens when things totally go to hell, right. and then there is no help coming? Either those little clans will stick together and keep working together, or they're going to start fragmenting and breaking yeah, up start as fighting people start starving. But if yeah, if, then, <laughs> then you see a situation that we haven't seen here in the United States like almost ever. Wouldn't you think in a survival situation though, the the faster you can form up a a group or a, you know a coalition or whatever of of people in the same situation where you can pull your resources and you can direct those resources. To you know specific problems and, and your knowledge, your knowledge as well. I mean, there could right and your you, knowledge. You exactly. could you could have a neighbor, you could have a next door neighbor who's a dentist, and if we're talking about a long term right uh, survival situation, that might become that might come in handy. I mean, there's a reason that 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 human beings have grouped together uh, for civilization. There's a reason that we're not solitary creatures, and that's because hey, no matter what situation need to sue is, anybody? it works better. Because <laughs> I'm easy, good, I can help. <laughs> I can sue somebody. <laughs> Does anyone need a contract? I mean, it's easy to pick off if if you got a big group of people and you got one lone survivor that's holding out food. Honestly, it's easy to pick that guy off. Yeah. I mean, I can go. Well, so then now we know who's going to form the roving um, patrols of like you know rape and pillage. <laughs> I wouldn't. Games. I wouldn't uh, say that. Way to go! But <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I'm glad to know that I know that you're coming. I'll uh, I'll arm my sniper rifle. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you in my group. <laughs> For a my price. name is Hot Guy. Sorry, we gave at the office. No, 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 no. You misunderstand. <laughs> you know, I like your you know, I, I mean, there is strength in numbers, but it's. In, in that situation, I mean, let's say Armageddon situation, right? It's, we can't help but think that it's all, you know, you're, you're basically fending for yourself. I mean, who can you really trust, even if you're a group? Will you really tr- be able to fully trust your group and not, you know, in that situation where you're mentally uh, incapable of being really rational about everything? How long, how long can you last on your own if there's multiple groups out there that are targeting you? Good point. Well, that's the point, right? I mean, in an Armageddon when, you're, situation. when you're a solitary... When you're a solitary group, the, 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 the whole point is not to announce yourself and say, hey, look, I have a stash of food or anything. I mean, 
that that I think that's a, that's a key survival skill as well to be able to not to be detected. Well, well let me tell you the attention. one thing that totally occurs to me and and freaks me out that I'm acutely aware of in these scenarios is exactly what uh, Hawkeye just said. He, I mean, you, dude, you just said it just came out of your mouth. How hard would it be to go with the one guy holding supplies and take right. him out if we had yeah. a group? Pick and and I mean, I know you to be a decent person who's not, you know, doesn't want to go out and kill people oh, and stuff. Know. But my point is, is look at the dark side of a scenario. We're in a like su- this. people it's get desperate. Though. They're yeah, gonna go if out. You have, exactly. I think if you have kids and you're in that situation, I wouldn't blame anyone who ha- who felt they had to do that. Excuse me, I am sitting on a pile of Twinkies. These are my Twinkies, and no one may have them. No, I don't care if your children are starving. These are mine. I shopped for them in advance. It is your unfortunate event that you did not prepare for them. Thank you, and good day, sir. I said good day, sir. This is why he's a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's a mystery to me We have agreed With which we have agreed And you think you have to want more than you need Until you have it all You won't be free Society You're crazy you're not lonely without me. Okay, so let's say it's been, I don't know, a week or ten days. Um, there's there's starting to be some like supply distribution, but it's not always there when they say it's gonna be there or it's or it's taken up, you know, before you can get there, or you have to stand in lines for a long time and your supply level is getting low. You know, your personal supplies are getting low. And there also are starting to get, you know, situations where you're hearing rumors of people being looted and houses being burned and, and, and supplies being taken from people. And so I guess the question comes down is, is at what point do you think that it, it's ethical or practical <laughs> to, uh, to to defend yourself if it gets to that situation? I mean, would that... To, to defend, defend To defend or to go on the is easy. Yeah, well, I mean, is it easy, though? Like, let's say someone comes up and says, you know... I'm saying it's easy ethically. Well, my, my point, though, is, like, let's say it is um, someone is coming up and they are demanding that you give them half of your supplies. That's easy. Do you shoot them? No, I no. I'll tell you exactly what I would do, exactly how I All feel right. that I would respond Maybe you can frame the question better than situation. I. Are we, saying, are, we, are we saying one person? One person or, you know, whatever. I mean, it... it where is that? Okay, line? if it's a or um, hot guys, hot guys clan came up to you. Okay, hot if it's if it's the hot guys, <laughs> hot guys clan, um, I'm not opening the door, and, Nobody and I'm going to be way Lover. far back in a corner in a in a low Flowers. situation with. Yeah, no, I mean I, I'm seriously not going to not going to deal with those people at all. Like, and I'm going to threaten them right off the bat. Get away! Do not come in the door. I'm armed, and if you if you if you even attempt to come in the house, I'm going to open fire. Now, I don't know how I'd fare, honestly, given the numbers, uh, regardless of what kind of weapons that I have, which I'm not going to get into, um, I, I probably don't stand a chance. I'll, I'd probably get wasted. But the bottom line is, they're not going to get in. Now, if it's one person, um, oh, no, I, you know what? I think that's my garden variety response to what, everybody. What if somebody situation. comes up with I'm you? I'm armed. What, Go I mean, away. what if somebody comes up, they're, they're armed with, like, a knife or something, so it's not, like, a, an immediate threat. 
and that you can see like in a car behind them or, or on the sidewalk behind them they have a wife and children does that change the equation and say say it that might. you have children too yeah it no, might don't, it don't might. do it don't do it, it. Well, here's the situation, a, though. I go back to what I said trick. before. It, it could be a trick. It, it could be, but I'm. It, it depends. It depends. I would definitely go out and you know be armed and confront them with a you know an aggressive stance. But I don't know if I had the, the extra supplies and if I let's say I was soldiering it alone, right? Let's say it was me and somebody else, and it was it, that's all that all that was. And now I've got a wife and a kid and. Uh, mm-hmm. A dude, right? And they all look healthy and whatever. And I'm say out in the country somewhere. I'm just giving a hypothetical. And then I get the sudden ability to have more in a community that I can help defend the place and defend each other. I might consider offering uh, them join to... Clanny Loisius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A brave new world. I was just going to say if you're if you're if you're asking me what scenario would have to develop for me to to open fire and shoot someone to protect my stash and protect my you know my life and my family. It would be when... Well, yeah, that, that makes period. it easy. What I'm trying to get is that kind of at the gray area in between where you have to try and decide what, where, where yeah. is that line. Me, per- me personally, I'm not going to just... I'm not going to be... It, it's just my bent. I can't see myself be... I would be very cautious, and I would take a very aggressive stance towards people, but I can't imagine myself just opening up for no reason. Sure. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a civilian. I'm not a killer. Yeah, that's what they all say. Uh, yeah, he was such a nice guy. He was quiet. Well, Hawkeye, you were gonna, you started to say something before, and I cut you off. So uh, I don't remember what I was going to say before, but <laughs> I would. This begs the question. So the end game is obvious for any of this because if you are, let's go with Eloisius's plan here, where he's just going to hole it up and you know eat his rations until they're gone and water till it's gone. What do you do when it's empty? It's like, what do you spend your energy on? Prior to your rations and water being gone, do you go out and try to secure more? Try to, you know, group up. Try to establish other supplies. I mean, how do you? I mean, what are we doing with our energy prior to it being gone? This is this is why I still say the most important thing you can do is form friendly alliances with your neighbors and close friends and family, so that before anything happens, so that if something does happen. You've got those alliances already in play, and you have a certain level of trust and com- camaraderie or whatever between you, you and your neighbors that you can play off of if something bad does happen. I mean, if you know, you the know, problem Stalin with living in these days too. in the... In, what? Stalin had alliances, too. Alliances are only so good good so long as until the <laughs> hits the fan, right? Well, I don't... But, but, but uh, Hawkeye's got a point, though. I mean... What, what do you do otherwise? But Eventually you, your stuff's going to run out, then you're on your own, and then no one knows who you are. I, know, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just saying, like, if you if you focus all your energies on creating, you know, essentially politics. I mean, if you're forming alliances with other people, then you're, then you're living based on the benevolence or the honorability of your fellow neighbor, or at least those with whom you've allied. I don't think that's, you know I don't think you, that's accurate. I think, I think actually... I mean, I keep coming back to this. I think actually you're living on the shared resources and knowledge that, you know, the two or the three or the five or the ten of you have. As not... long as you're bringing something to the table. Well, you yes, I, that's 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 the assumption well, here. Yeah, the idea is that you're pooling resources. You, let's say you have five. Let's say the five of us, right? And each of us brings something to the table. 
Now, in, in survival mode, if I ran out of my supply and I can't contribute anymore, would you still keep me in the group and sustain me, or would you deem me as useless? We find I don't a know. job do for you. Do you have any other skills? <laughs> do you have anything else that, that uh, do you eat a lot? Do you drink a lot? <laughs> well, you, that's not the point, though, right? Because now we've both... No, it is. Well, it's not, if because... the five like a bird... No, 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 no. According to your concept, though, we have built a relationship between the five of us to keep ourselves alive, feeding off each other. So right. that commitment should stick through no matter what, right? It sh- it should, and if you're if you um, don't take up more resources than anybody would expect, right? Or you had other skills, you know, that you could offer, uh-huh. then it probably wouldn't be any problem. But if you were like the fat kid, and you know, <laughs> ate so three burgers so every meal, oh, so one. so if I was the fat kid who had like five thousand pounds of Twinkies when I joined the group. And I'm now the I fat kid, was, you know, where we've, we've all finished my Twinkies. I'm, I was useful back then when I had my supplies, and now I'm no longer useful, even though I was oh, that, the same person. That, okay. no, because it, quickly, it very quickly becomes a rational analysis, one of right. utiles, you know, and, and how many utiles are you essentially bringing to the group? And, how, and you have to make sure that the group is valuing your utility the way you're valuing your utility. Right. I mean, you may say... You know, dude, I can totally do X, and the group may say, "Yeah, but we don't really care about X." And, I'm really good you know, at water. Macrame is lovely, but right, <laughs> my singing voice is right. beautiful. Yeah, or the... you could say, like, well, I know how to build a fire out of sticks. And they could say, well, we got flint. You know, so who really cares? So we could lose the flint. So now do you really have a great ability that you're bringing into the group or not? Well, I yeah, mean, but this is based on the initial point that all of five of us had valuable skills to bring to the group at first. Well, then no problem. Maybe you better it's develop good. some skills, Derek. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what you, guys have, what you guys are talking about is a really ideal community situation where everyone has better have something to contribute or else you're going to be kicked out. I don't, I don't, think, it's, I don't think it's ideal. I think that it's a, it is a uh, mechanism to lengthen the amount of time that you guys can survive further than just on your own. So, I think it's, it's, you a, know, it's a recognition that that a, a group of people will have more capability in pretty much all areas than a person alone. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there's things that you might not understand someone as having skills for that may come out, or you may find that someone who doesn't really have any major skills is still a useful person in terms of just grunt work, like, you know, Eight guard ditches. duty and digging <laughs> ditches. and Latrines. I mean, there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff if it's a long-term situation that, you know, most people don't want to do. Yeah, I'm afraid if it really happened, I'm going to be the one kicked out of the group because I got no skills except to drink. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have a very tough entry uh, interview to get into our survivalist commune. I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we're, we've decided, yeah, there's, no, every, there's no drinking test on it. We've decided to go in another direction. Damn, we'll set up drinking every medieval post-apocalyptic groups. clan. Doesn't every medieval post-apocalyptic clan need a uh, a jokester, a, a bard, <laughs> a, a jester, a jester? I'm the inseminator. The inseminator. Damn it! I was angling for that one. <laughs> Beat me to it, bastard. Oh, need to repopulate the earth. And I really think that it comes down to two schools of thought for survival. I mean, we have the group, you know, the group hug kind of mentality and we have to you know more of where where I think would fit uh, my side of the the, the the game is you know keep yourself low profile survive survive by not being noticed survive by you know what's your end game 
Well, Endgame is to, to live through it. I mean, you know, back back to back to the question about I think I think it was Mike you said where uh, you know what do you do while you have food, right? So you know, I mean, while you have food, I'd rather spend time looking for other resources than making friends, because the same the same people that I make friends with could run out of food as well, and they are spending their time making more friends, you know, and not looking for other resources. Yeah, but they're they're going to be competing for the same resources that you are, and if there's ten of them and one of you, you right. lose. But then right. part of the survival skill is to identify resources that are the least, uh, you know, obvious, right? But also they have ten more people to go find resources than you do, and that's or to go take your resources. Right. That's that's assuming out of ten of them, five are not kids and two are not, you know, women, pregnant women, and I mean, you know, and only two men. <laughs> Let me tell you two observations that I'm noticing out of this. Um, one's an observation, one's a question. So the observation is, in in the time that we've been talking, from the beginning of Eric's scenario to where we are right now, just in this conversation, we're already at each other's throats about what to do. Yeah, That's kind of alarming, and it's not even a real situation. And my question is directly to Wiley as a police officer. Does listening to us freak you out even more about what these scenarios actually mean? Are you thinking of a new career. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're called in to try to like you know provide the you know the lawman scenario and try to preserve some kind of order when you hear what we're talking about. Well, I mean, what you're talking about is 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 a situation so far to the extreme. I mean, the the, the vast majority of of human experience in this area at least certainly in the United States, is that these are fairly short to maybe medium-term situations. I mean, if we're talking to a point where, you know, there are roving clans of, of people um, competing for various resources, I mean, I think we're, I think, first of all, I think we're beyond the point where you're going to be able to call 911 and get Officer Wiley on the phone. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know where... Yeah, but I know your cell phone number. Well, you do. What you're gonna abandon your post, dude? Well, yeah. I mean, if it got to, if it got to that point, I'd probably be dead. I mean, if we're if we're assuming yeah, that, you'd be a target, right? If we're assuming that, that civilization is degraded to the point that that people are forming clans and, and competing for resources, and then there is essentially no outside help. I mean, that sort of presupposes that the the support structure and the order maintenance of which I am a part is essentially gone. I mean, that's that's sort of well, well, I, that sort of seems to be an underlying assumption of of uh, of our scenario here. So, so I got another question, and I don't know if you're going to want to answer me. So, just feel free to say I don't feel comfortable answering if you don't want to answer this. But how many days or weeks, let's say, if you had a family too? work that into the into the scenario do you think that you'd actually stay on the job trying to do the government's work in maintaining order before you'd say enough with this crap and go protect your family it would depend on what was going on i mean like in so much of this this scenario the exact situation that you're in is going to dictate you know how is any help coming is there any hope in the situation is there um is there an end in sight is there a light at the end of the tunnel if there's not then I mean I don't I don't know I don't know where where no one really knows where their their point is going to be, but I mean I think I'm probably uh, for want of a better term fanatical or stupid enough that I would probably be there till the end. 
you know, and, and I like in my particular situation, I don't have any, I don't have any family least in the immediate area. I wouldn't have anything else to do than to do the government's work and try to maintain order and try to make sure that we got into the sort of situation where you don't have, you know, cards sneaking around in the shadows while Hawkeye <laughs> and Hawkeye and Cromley and Eloy's lynch mob is rolling around in their in their giant fuel truck covered with spikes trying to find it, you know. <laughs> Dude, I want the base wow. of the shoulder pads. <laughs> you gotta we strap, can we strap Derek to the front of that in like a bikini and football pads? Just like, ah! he's, he's, he's I'm got, so teaching my kid how to use a boomerang. He's got, he's, he's got to rock the mohawk, though. He's got to rock the mohawk. <laughs> Derek, give me your best road warrior scream strapped onto the front of our spiky fuel truck with your football pads and G-string speedo. Go. I have a hard time envisioning that. <laughs> Obviously, the question is enough. which which one of you is going to be the Ayatollah of rock and roll? <laughs> yeah. So so Wiley, what at what point do you figure? Do you really think? So let's say there were, there were you and and five of your brethren cops that were you know trying to keep order, and at some point you guys all had the revelation that there's no chain of command above you. There's no there's no you know, there's no hope to getting order back. At what point would you guys say, or, or if is there a point where you guys would probably say, you know what, hey, we got access to firepower, we've got access to supplies, we've got access to a good bunker probably here. Let's just bring our families in here, hold it up, and and you know start setting up our own um, community government, whatever you know from there. It sounds like you, you're, it sounds like you're describing a, a typical Saturday night in the bar district. <laughs> <laughs> no chain of command. No. Well, I mean, I think that, that that raises another point: is that the end game in any in any anarchic scenario that gets this bad is essentially going to be uh, the formation of a new society. It has to be. You know, I mean, the the idea that we're all going to be Mel Gibson roaming the the highways, you know, makes a good movie, but that's not a not a stable basis for, for founding a society. And I think that one thing that you would probably see, and Hawk, I think you raise a good point here, is that you would see new locuses of civilization growing up around the old ones. So you would have, um, you know, a group of, of police taking over a substation and bringing in, you know, other people and, and forging, you know, making a, making a community out of that. I saw this one, you know, um, fictional apocalyptic um, scenario where uh, a military unit takes over a prison and they use that as sort of their fortress and they, they kick all the inmates out and they bring you know civilians in it's basically turns into a into a fort and I think that a lot of a lot of people would be would be inclined to organize around something resembling what they knew before so you I mean well, I, I if, if you saw I mean that, you that, saw in that movie the postman with Kevin Costner I mean, not a great movie, maybe the and the book was one. worse, but I think there was there was something in that about the idea of, you know, the mailman being a symbol of normalcy and being something that, that people that people rallied around, if for no other reason than because it was familiar and because it reminded them of, of something that they had before. I think more, but before it even becomes that, I, I think people would gravitate towards those societies out of need more than any kind of familiar. I mean, certainly the shape of what those societies would become would be based on you know familiarity. I mean, probably you'd have like you know some kind of a 
regime and the people who, who you know who knew the most about running a society or trying to provide you know common necessities would you know would do so but i think before it comes to that you would have i think there our society has got built in built in groups um you know in the forms of like um, gangs and the forms of like police officers and the form you know people with similar yeah i mean people who have similar um affiliations and it's going to ultimately become very quickly a, a competition for those resources and my concern is that you know, if, if you're faced, as we were talking about earlier, on the one hand of grouping up and forming up your own, let's say you're not a cop and you're not, you know, a crip or a blood, you're going to form up, you know, the E Street gang, which is essentially all of the people that are in your neighborhood, merely for the sake of defending yourself against those other guys. You're going to have to share your resources, because if you're going to go off by yourself, you know, I think there is some truth to the idea of safety in numbers. I, I think I think if anything, Eric, what your scenario tells us is that how I, I don't know about all of you guys, but it sounds like all of you, including me, don't have everything as prepared as what we would need to, which is sort of sobering. Well, I think it also brings up that there it's very hard to it, so much of it depends on the specifics of the scenario that there's no way you can assume that you're prepared for everything. Interesting. Our conversation, Eric's little roundtable there, wasn't very fact-based, and sometimes you just need to go to the experts. That said, I'd like to welcome aboard our special guest for this show, Matthew Stein. Well, Matt, you've got a Bachelor of Science degree in mechanical engineering from MIT. Uh, You're an engineer, author, building contractor, and an accomplished outdoorsman, and a mountain climber, I understand. Built hurricane-resistant, energy-efficient, and environmentally-friendly homes, designed consumer and commercial water filtration devices, photovoltaic roofing panels, medical bacteriological filters, drinking fountains, emergency chemical drench systems, computer disk drives, portable fiberglass buildings, and automated assembly machinery for companies like Hewlett-Packard and Seagate. You held a number of U.S. patents and was a National Merit Scholar. You're also... Uh, which is the most relevant part of this, the author of the book, When Technology Fails, a manual for self-reliance, sustainability, and surviving the long emergency. And hopefully you're here to help teach us the real deal about survival and disaster preparedness where we are lacking. So welcome aboard. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. Well, so listen, when we, uh, the last segment we just came from, we were, we did this neat little round table where we kind of talked about, uh, um, what happens in case of a collapse? Like, if a collapse actually unfolds, what do we all do? What are we prepared to do? Um, how would we survive? And we were really ill-prepared, um, and our we realized how fragile our society was and how fragile our personal planning is, too. A lot of people didn't know, for example, um, how to deal with lack of water, lack of food, 
how do we come together as a community or do we want to just get out of Dodge on our own? It's just kind of a scary proposition to survive in a, um, in a bad preparedness situation. Hopefully none of us will ever have the need to, to do the Robinson Crusoe thing where everything is totally falling apart and you're doing it from scratch. But my book is kind of a great thing to have on your shelf just in case. And it covers everything from minor stuff, like you have a, a minor meltdown, maybe there's a, a wildfire, a terrorist act, an ice storm, earthquake, something takes the grid down for a few days, maybe a week, maybe two. That's kind of on the lower end of things, which hopefully is all any of us will ever run into. But it also covers how you deal with the world and your life and have a reasonable standard of living if all of a sudden the gas wasn't flowing and the water stopped coming out of the tap and the electricity wasn't happening. Because I thought when I got the inspiration to write this book, the same thing kind of came across my mind. I have an MIT degree. I've got a lot of skills. But the thought was if I was dropped in the middle of the Amazon rainforest and I didn't have anything with me, I thought, you know, I, I really couldn't replicate any of our high-tech world in any way, shape, or form on my own. But, you know, 150 years ago, my, my, uh, when my grandmother was a little kid, someone in her town knew how to do just about everything. You know, there was somebody who knew how to blow glass, somebody who knew how to make pottery from local clay, somebody who knew how to stitch clothes, make shoes, blacksmith who could forge steel. I mean, someone in the community knew all of that stuff. And so my book kind of has the basics for how to do all of this stuff so that if all of a sudden the boats weren't coming from Indonesia and China and the Philippines anymore, all those things that we've shipped offshore and no one knows how to make in America, my book kind of tells you how to do it. Not to say you'd be a master at it, but it gives you the basics. You know, it's interesting. Uh, not too long ago, I took a trip up to Mount Shasta, California for a vacation. And on the way out there on the freeway, there's one of those incredibly huge um, Safeway distribution centers for all the uh, grocery stores in the, across the Bay, the Bay Area. And uh, it was huge. It was probably maybe a mile long on the freeway, just loaded up with tons and tons of trucks and a rail yard that pulled up to it and everything else. And I got to thinking after having the conversation about what would happen in, in a uh, even a short-term collapse, it hit me that all all that food is going into those distribution centers and our right-on-time delivery model that goes to the grocery stores so that the food doesn't spoil and everybody gets what they want, you know, right on time, wouldn't be there. And so you just have all that food rotting in the distribution centers and nobody get to it because trucks and railways and whatever wouldn't be running. And uh, it was just yet another reminder of how fragile the system is that we work on here. It's not like local farms in many cases are supplying these supermarkets anymore. They're coming from all over the place. You know, our average piece of yogurt or piece of food on your dinner table travels something like 1,800 miles. That's the average. You know, certainly we get grapes from 12,000 miles away down in Chile in the wintertime and avocados from Chile, and it's, it travels all over the world. So the average piece of food that you and I eat every day has gone 1,800, 2,000 miles before it gets to you. So if all of a sudden... Something happened in the world, an electromagnetic pulse, you know, from, there's, there's a variety of things that could take the grid down. I'm, I hope they never do. It's not like I'm planning on it all falling apart. But the chances that you and I, within our lives, are going to see significant disruptions in the grid and distribution of central services, it's pretty great. Given the world peak in oil production right now, given the climate changes, 
given the potential in California for major earthquakes. I mean, think about the Northridge quake. That was something like a 6.9, 7.2 earthquake. Took down something like six freeway interchanges in L.A. Snobbed traffic in the L.A. basin for almost a year. Now imagine if a single point more of an earthquake happened. Every point of an earthquake is a factor of 10. So two points in an earthquake, like the Indian Ocean earthquake of nine points something, that was more than 100 times stronger than the Northridge quake or 100 times stronger than the Loma Prieta quake that took down freeway interchanges around the Bay Area and knocked out a piece of the Bay Bridge. So imagine that Indian Ocean earthquake happening in the Bay Area or L.A. It would take everything down. Instead of six interchanges down, there'd be 600 interchanges down. And the buildings would be a thousand times more buildings falling down. And it would be, it would make New Orleans look like a picnic. Now, I'm hoping that never happens. But, you know, those people in New Orleans, they were figuring that the government was going to bail them out. They were figuring that they were going to be taken care of. So they didn't have anything. They had no water filters. They had no supplies. They just counted on the government to do it. Now, I'm not saying you got to all be paranoid survivalists, but I'm saying it's kind of foolish to live in earthquake country and not at least have a great water filter, some chemicals, some basic grab-and-run stuff. So, you know, if an earthquake happens and you're stuck there, you and your family, you're at least not drinking out of the duck ponds without filtering it and not purifying it. I mean, I ran out of water once in record heat climbing El Capitan, and it was horrible. I mean, 100, 100 plus heat in the sun. You're not exactly a stroll in the park climbing the walls of El Capitan. We could have finished off our last day's water easily at breakfast time. So the pitiful, I mean, we were... We did run out of water middle of the day, and we climbed through until about midnight to get off. Stuck our faces in the first mud puddle we found and guzzled to our heart's content. First mud puddle. Believe me, if you're without water, after a day you're going to do the same thing. And you're going to drink the scummiest, most disgusting water. If that's all you got to drink, you're going to drink it. So let's talk about water for a second, because water... Water was one of the biggest things that we didn't have corporately an answer for for the long term. Everyone, everyone had an answer for what do we do if we've got a couple of days. And, and most of us, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think most of us had like at least a couple of days to a week worth of water, correct? Or at least we thought we did. Yeah, or it was within, uh, it was within range that we could get to it. We ran into the problem of what happens if you completely run out. Now, what do you do? How do you how do you purify it? Where do you find it? So, practically speaking, Matt, what do we do? What what does a person do if they have zero access to water that's stored, and now you've got to go out and get it? Let's say you got a grab and run kit. Let's start with that, and let's talk about how much water you need. Now, when I climb El Capitan in Yosemite, I bring two quarts a day per person. But obviously, in that record-breaking heat and really hot weather, that wasn't enough. And, and to be honest with you, two quarts, of pe- two quarts per person per day, that's, that's like really minimal. You're pretty thirsty. You really wish you had more water than that. But when you're hauling it up a cliff in Yosemite, you, you're kind of trying to minimize it. What's, what's two quarts in glasses? It's like, what, two four or five like, pints? Yeah. I mean, one cup is, one quart is four cups. So a teacup, a large teacup, a mug. Mm-hmm. Like figure four of those as a quart, or three of the three large mugs as a quart. 
think of that. Think of it that way. Uh, an official cup, eight ounces, four of those is a quart. So two quarts a day isn't very much. In general, you want to have like a gallon a day per person. So anyway, that's a fair amount of water. Now think about a family of four. If you need a gallon of water per day, that's eight pounds for one person. For three days, then, that's 24 pounds. You've got a family of four, so that's 100 pounds of water for a family of four for three days. That's, that's an awful lot of water to carry with you. That's why water purification chemicals and a water purification filter is a great thing to have. Now, in my book, I, give all, I, I actually talk about specific brands, the which brands I like, what they do. But what I like to see is like an MSR, Katadyne, backcountry water filter, ceramic outside, carbon core. What the carbon does is sucks up bad tastes and odors and chemicals. So, like, say you were in New Orleans and you have all of these pig farms upstream and chemical plants upstream and the floodwaters is bringing pig farm and chemical plant stuff down the water. So that's where you want to have your nice backcountry water filter with a carbon core and either a pleated or ceramic outside. So the outside takes out all the bacteria and the carbon core sucks out all the nasty tastes and chemicals in there. And, all, and you, take, you can put scum water in and get clean, fresh, clear, good-tasting water out of this backcountry filter. Hmm. Now, there's a neat little gadget now called a SteriPen. That's like a little ultraviolet lamp with a timer on it, and you take this SteriPen into a bottle of clear water, and you just press the button, and it flashes for about 30 seconds, and then it's done. And it zaps all of the viruses and bacteria in that water. So say I'd run the good, you know, run the scum water, duck pond water through my backcountry filter. But I thought, you know, this is really scummy water. There might be some viruses that might make through that filter. I mean, this is really nasty stuff. Then I'd just pop my SteriPen in there and give it a little click of the button. And 30 seconds later, if anything happened to make it through my backcountry filter, then it'd get zapped. Now, if I'm running pretty clear water, to begin with, like a nice clear mountain stream. I just pop my stir pen in there. I don't worry about running through my filter. Punch the button, and 30 seconds later, I'm sure that it's killed any, like, Giardia or any little organisms that might be in there. Now, some people may laugh and say, oh, you know, this is clear water. Like, when I was a kid, I was drank out of all of the streams and creeks I passed when I was backcountrying in, uh, backpacking in New England. I never worried about anything. But now that I'm an adult, you know, and, and there's twice as many people in the world now as when I was a kid. Well, there's Giardia and Cryptosporidium in a lot of these waters that look clear, taste wonderful, smell great. You'd swear you're in the middle of the wilderness and it's perfect water. And then you come home and you have a bug that takes you six months. Nasty bug. Maybe even kills you if you're not that strong. Hmm. Now, imagine, though, that say you're stuck. You don't happen to have your backcountry water filter and you're surrounded by duck ponds. You say, well, what, what do I do now? This is the thing that actually I think vexed us, is when we don't have any of this kind of stuff in a situation where no one's really prepared, what do we do? The next simplest thing is called SODIS, S-O-D-I-S, for solar disinfection. Now, if you could go through a few trash cans and find some soda bottles, bottled water bottles, preferably mm -hmm. clear and not tinted. Hey, if you happen to have a condom, in your uh, wallet, which, um, you know, I'm a married guy and got six stages ago, so I don't carry those things around <laughs> with me. But uh, most guys do. So if you happen to have a condom in your pocket 
and nothing else, you can take the condom out and stuff it into a sock to protect it, and, you, and that becomes a short-term water bottle. So then you could collect some water, say, off of a roof or something. So now imagine now you don't have water, it's not raining, but you found some garbage bottles. You take those, you sit them in the sun for a half a day, and that's going to purify the water from the solar rays coming through there. Now, if you happen to live at low altitude in hot temperatures, then fit those bottles, if you can find like a black surface to fit them on top, then the UV rays will go through the clear water bottles and disinfect them. But combined with the heat of sitting on the black surface, once you get water over about 135 degrees Fahrenheit, that's the pasteurizing temperature, it won't necessarily kill all the bacteria, but it will disable all the bacteria. So that that's what they do to pasteurize milk. So even though it's way below the boiling point, once you pass 135 degrees, pathogenic bacteria will be disabled, will basically be like kind of neutered, so they won't really do much in your body, and they'll be okay to drink. Now, as so, a rule, Matt, how long does that usually take? About four hours, four to six hours. And if you're at higher altitude and it's cooler temperatures, like you happen to be in Nepal or something like that, then you don't worry about heating them up on the black surface. Then it's the UV light that does it. So you leave them for at least six hours in the sun, and the UV does the sterilizing. Are you going to be able to find plastic really bottles in, the, in Nepal? There's a lot of them from the trekkers. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the local people are being taught by who? The World Health Organization as a part of the U.N., are teaching people in Africa and Nepal and places like that to so, to use so, sodas to disinfect their drinking water for their families. Because sodas, see, in those places like Nepal, there's, there's very little fuel. People go a half a day to find enough fuel to, to make a fire, to build, you know, to, to cook for themselves. The whole country is being deforested by people searching for firewood to cook for cooking fires. So if everyone was trying to boil their water, you know, to, to kill organisms. And let me tell you this. Once water reaches a boiling point, some say, oh, you got to boil six minutes. That's horse. That's baloney. Once you boil, once water reaches the boiling point, even at high altitude, it has long since killed any, any living organism other than prions. Prions, those are the weird things that make mad cow disease. Basically, you can't kill them. You can heat them up to 350 and they don't die. They're like proteins that reproduce. They're really weird things. They're not like a normal living organism. So, you know, avoid eating brains of other people or animals, and you're going to avoid prions. And, you know, so long as you don't eat their brains and their spinal cord, then you should be fine. All right, so <laughs> let's forget about prions. <laughs> it's like, they're not really top on my list. I mean, brains in America is like, you know, not, some parts, some cultures really like them. But, you know, to be honest with you, they're, they're not very high on my list. Actually, to tell you, to tell you the truth, what, uh, what this makes me feel comfortable for is that when the zombie invasion goes down, the zombies won't live very long because they'll all get mad cow disease. But I'm confused. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, right. <laughs> I, I would have had drinking out of a condom on that list too. <laughs> well, drinking out of a well, hopefully it's it's like a new condom. Yeah. I mean, if you want to drink out of a used condom, well, you know, go for it. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean new condom? Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Is that what well, welcome about? to uh, welcome to Taverncast, Matt Stein. <laughs> oh well, thank you, thank you. Yeah. What about the chemicals on the condom? Wouldn't that affect things like well hope, hopefully it'll be it'll, uh, you know the spermicide will like kill some of the bugs in the uh, 
in the water you're drinking. No, I don't know, you know. The uh, lubrication will but, help the water go down your throat faster. I mean, not a problem. Yeah, right. Well, it might help with cotton mouth. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Indians say to throw a little pebble, and that'll help. And in America, you just uh, suck on a condom, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll just look for a bottle. I think we need to do a PSA yeah. on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go back to water just for a minute. I want to touch on a couple of things. Most people don't realize, but if in your home, you might have tincture of iodine. Five drops of tincture of iodine will purify a quart of water, but you've got to let it sit for like half hour. Similarly, six drops of Clorox bleach. You know, the liquid Clorox, the blue stuff, it doesn't smell or taste great, but six drops of Clorox bleach will do the same thing as the iodine. And in my book, I have a chart with a table that tells you these things. But, you know, if you don't happen to have that book with you and things go down, then, you know, you might remember that a few drops of iodine per quart of water and a few drops of bleach will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I wanted to mention is the SARI filter. That's S-A-R-I, not S-O-R-R-Y. And in India, they've been teaching people to take their saris and make them fold them over six times and and basically tie them around the mouth of a large jug of water and then put the water bottle into the local creek. And the saris are such tight weaves and the six things that they filter out most bigger organisms that are responsible for diarrhea and dysentery and things like that. You're going to have half as many cases of diarrhea and dysentery from drinking out of the water if you happen to use a sari filter. Okay, so, but no, so now sorry. Can I use like eight pairs of underwear or find the tightest weave, <laughs> tightest weave, something you got? You know, like, the, like yeah, I guess so yeah. could be a something. tight weave, handkerchief or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think a t-shirt would do very well because it's pretty stretchy and loose weave. But find something really tightly woven and double it over like six times, and then tie that with some string really tight around a bottle, say around the top there, and that will that will tend to work and, and help. I also show people how to build a sand filter. Like if you happen to be living for like a long time and things had fallen apart, then what you do is you try to find yourself an old castaway steel drum somewhere and fill it up with sand and punch some holes in the bottom. And that will develop like a gelatinous layer on the top three inches of the sand filter. And that will filter out once the layer builds up and kind of scum layer at the outside. will really be very good at filtering all the bacteria out. And you'll get good water out, good, clean, drinkable water that's not going to make you sick out of the bottom of your 50-gallon drum. And the best thing to do is to put your sand like in a, uh, in a wheelbarrow and, and with a lot of water and squish it around to get rid of the dirt and silt out of the sand. So you have pretty clean sand that you're filtering filling up your 50-gallon drum with. Can you do it on a smaller scale with, I mean, does volume of anything do with, with how effective that filter is, or can you do that on a, uh, you know, if I've got a tennis ball container it, or something and I fill that up with halfway with sand and halfway with water and punch some holes in the bottom so I can carry it? Yeah, you can do it on a smaller scale, but the more, if you can get two or three feet of sand that the water's going through, even if it's just like a pipe with sand, you know, you find a piece of pipe, yeah, part of a gutter and or you something. get it to filter through two or three feet of it, then that's much, it's more like how far it's filtering through the sand is better. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about the sand filter is it works better over time instead of worse, because hmm. it's kind of like, 
it builds up like a, a bacterial layer that starts kind of eating this gum at the top and catching it. So it's actually better after when you use it more than it is right in the beginning. But it's more the distance through the sand that it's working on. And there's another thing called a solar still. Like you could take a tarp if you find a piece of plastic and wrap it around a bush. Say you're in a place where there's no surface water. Well, those bushes, they're pulling microscopic amounts of water out with their tiny little roots in the sand and in the soil. And their leaves are evaporating some moisture into the air. So you, tie, you put a bag around some green leaves of a bush, and at night it'll, it'll put out some moisture inside this bag, and it'll condense. Now, you won't get a whole lot of water, and you might have to use a bunch of bushes, and it'll eventually kill the bush. But if there's no surface water at all available, then the solar still will help to, you know, the roots of that bush or tree or shrub will be sucking micro small amounts of water out of the soil and evaporating into the air and you're capturing it, especially with, as the evening comes on and it cools down, it will condense in the, in the bag or tarp and then you'll get some drinkable water out of that. That's, that's a real survival kind of thing where it's like, hey, if it's all you got, it's better than, better than nothing. dying of thirst, you know? I think what's heartening okay. to me about hearing all of this is uh, that, that there are good ways and fairly simplistic ways to get clean water in bad situations. I had no idea even even three-quarters of these. I mean, you know, everyone knows about iodide and things like that, and I'm sure a commercial filtration device people think of, but it's heartening to, it's heartening to know even like the, uh, the SODIS method, mm-hmm. that, that that even works. I never even would have thought of that. Yeah. All right, so um, talk to me real quick about food. We had questions about in a longer-term scenario, like let's say let's say you're you don't have any support at all for a month. So how would you right. store enough food for a month and keep it safe? Now everybody pretty much thinks cans and whatever. What if you go beyond a month? What if you go into three months? Then then what do you do? And how do you store it? What's the simplest way to store some food? And what do you store? Well, the simplest stuff that lasts forever is wheat, and it's got to be wheat. It's preserved in such a way, basically you get these special containers and you get some dry ice. And the dry ice is so that any bugs and critters that might be in your wheat doesn't ruin, your, doesn't ruin it. And it also doesn't go rancid and, and sour over time. So it gets rid of the regular oxygen in there, kills any bugs in there. So you basically put a chunk of dry ice in one of these buckets and you wait until the dry ice is pretty well evaporated. And it's heavier than air, so it just takes the place of all of the oxygen in there, kills any little bugs or critters that might hatch in there, and then you seal it up after the ice has, has evaporated. And then you have a little grinder, like a hand grinder, to grind wheat and so you can make flour out of it, or you can sprout it. And when you sprout things, you get a few less calories, but it, it changes some of the wheat into really good vitamins and vitamin C and other things you need. So, in fact, when they, I knew somebody who made an experiment where they took grain that they fed to their chickens on their farm, and they sprouted the grain and fed it to the chickens, and the chickens were 50% fatter on the same amount of grain when it was sprouted and fed to them than when they ate it dry. So it, the sprouting actually made it more nutritious, and, and uh, they grew fatter and healthier and stronger with the sprouted grain than the dry grain. So if you want to store food for the long term, in my book I give you how much you need like per person per month and I give you recommendations, a combination of grains and beans. Some canned food is great to have on hand, but the, the canned food is much more expensive and takes up much more space. The plus about canned food 
because it has water stored in it. So and it, I gotta it, I gotta stop you and ask real quick. Our our audience uh, knows, and I myself included, knows about as much about what you do with raw wheat as you know. I mean, eat <laughs> hot pot, <laughs> like, like a hot pot. Yeah, a dinty more can of chili is maybe the best survival food we can think of. So so what do we do with wheat if we've got wheat and a grinder? What would you just eat it raw? Do you make <laughs> it into something? What, what no, do we do no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> well, well, you take the wheat and you'd start, you'd basically do what they did in the old days. You'd grind it into flour if you had a grinder and you'd mix it up with some water and then you'd, you know, you could fry it on a pan. You could, you could set it out in the sun. Now, one of the things you could do if you didn't have a, you didn't want, you weren't into making fires, you could take those whole grains and not grind them and just soak them in water for a couple of hours and then, then you pour then you pour the water off, strain it through your fingers or a screen, pour the water off, and then you rinse it about twice a day, and in two or three days, they'll get little sprouts coming out of the end, and then when you eat them, they'll taste sweet, hmm. and they'll taste good. They'll taste kind of fresh like sprouts in your salad. You ever had sprouts in your salad? You know, that's what you got. So huh. worst came to worst, and you couldn't make bread, you couldn't make sourdough, you couldn't do anything like that. You just sprout them, and you just eat them. And they taste pretty good once they're sprouted. I mean, they taste terrible when it's dry. I mean, eating dry flour is not my idea of a good time. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to fry it up with some, if you got some oil, if you don't have some oil, you can bake it. You can uh, wrap it in some tin foil and throw it in a fire and it'll, you know, and make bread out of it. You know, it, in, and then the, if you set it out, it'll catch yeast from the air called sourdoughs. Like the old-fashioned miners were called sourdoughs. That was their nickname. And they would make bread by sitting it out in the air, and they'd get some, some dough would kind of start to rise and get sour, and then they'd keep a little bit. Once they got some that tasted good, they'd keep a little bit of it without cooking it to start in the next batch of bread, and then the next batch, and then the next batch, kind of like yogurt starter. You mm -hmm. take a little bit of yogurt, and you throw it into some milk, and it makes sour milk that tastes good instead of sour milk that makes you puke. <laughs> so sourdough bread, you know, everyone goes down and buys sourdough bread. Well, that's made from things that float around in the air and just make the bread rise, the little yeasties that float in the air. But some sourdough is going to taste good, and that's the stuff you save for the next starter and the next piece of sourdough. And if, it, if your loaf tasted pretty terrible, then you say, well, I think I'll see what else I can catch in the wind blowing in for my next sourdough because the last one really was pretty bad. People did this for centuries. People didn't have Kmarts and Walmarts and Safeways to go to, and, and they managed. And we've forgotten how to do that. And that was one of the tasks of my book. If all of a sudden things fell apart, whether it was short-term or long-term, the information would be there to help you manage your way through it. Talking to you about this, see now, I, I knew about the wheat thing for a long time. I never knew what to do with it. All I would do is you, you would hear someone give information like, in storage for a year, you want X amount of containers of wheat, and you want a wheat grinder, and just good luck with that. Well, then, then when you actually like, need it, you got to just get on Google and look it up. But I mean, now, now that I have at least some clue is what you can do with that wheat, it doesn't seem so daunting, and I think that's probably a really important rule of surviving anything is that if you know more going in, the less frightening any situation is going to be for you. Like, I'm ready to go buy wheat right now. <laughs> it's peace of mind. You know, we all buy car insurance and we don't drive down the road just planning on coming around the corner and slamming into some big SUV and getting into a big old wreck. But 
we got that insurance just in case. And some preparedness and putting together some of these basic supplies gives you peace of mind to know that you got yourself covered for at least some of the basics. Well, I don't have five years of stuff stored and a whole bunch of wheat, but you know, if India and Pakistan started throwing nukes at each other one day, which it certainly could happen, especially now that, you know, with, with the instability over there, you never know what's going to happen. I might just pull my book down, script, you know, turn to a work page in my book, say, okay, I got to get two years of stuff now for me and my family. Write them down real quick, run down, buy the stuff. I mean, you're going to be miles ahead of 99% of the people who don't have a clue. And if you wait too long, the stores are going to be barren. They're going to be gone. And then you're going to be stuck opening the book to how do you deal with eating bugs and how do you deal with peeling bark off trees and eating the green layer. Because if the Donner Party had known how to do those things in the book, they wouldn't have resorted to eating each other. Before we, I know we're not going to be able to cover food comprehensively, but before we leave it, I definitely wanted to ask you about the bugs because I read the small section in your book, and that's just something that has to be talked about. So tell us about eating <laughs> bugs and which bugs you want to eat. There are some delicious little grubs that taste like well-aged cheese that the lady in Mutant Message Down Under, when she was traveling across the outback in... Australia with some Aborigines, they said, oh, we have a great treat for you today. And they, you know, dug up these little grubs and she ate them and said, wow, they really are tasty and they really are good. To be honest with you, I, I passed on that one. I, I haven't done that one. <laughs> you okay, better have wheat. Let's go real quick. Yeah, I think I'd rather have wheat, too. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather go for wheat. And I, I think I'd rather <laughs> go for the green layer of, yeah. I'm going to eat some of the green bark in the trees. You can pound that up and make, <laughs> yeah. you know, Make make pancakes out of that, and and make uh, flour out of that. I think I'll go for that over the uh, grubs. But you know, when you're really hungry, I don't know. I don't know. You know we'll see. I mean, I hope and I never get there. Now, grasshoppers, crickets, and cicadas—they're supposed to be pretty good. You remove the heads and the wings and the legs. They got some really nasty, like sharp things in the legs. You don't want to eat that stuff. And then you can kind of. Um, <laughs> grill them on top of your wood stove or in a fire or something like that, make them a little more palatable. They're supposed to be kind of crunchy and pretty good. Warm, a little barbecue well, sauce on them things. Uh, some butter, you know. <laughs> little mashed potatoes and some, gravy. Um, if you got some Cajun around, I mean, everything tastes good with salsa and Cajun, so, you know, That's what we it's should. like a little spice and a little, uh, you know. <laughs> Now, worms supposedly are pretty good at it. If you dry them and you can kind of pound, chop them up and, and put them in some stew, try to find if they've got dirt in their bellies and get rid of the dirt first, you know, if they're earthworms. But supposedly they're pretty palatable. Again, I really haven't gone for that one yet, but they're supposed to be pretty good. I, I want to thank you in advance for talking about this uh, because of the listener response, which is going to be, Bryce, can you please do a tavern cast test where you eat worms? And <laughs> the video is going to be expected. I'm a guest. <laughs> we, already, we already have videos with me trying all sorts of crazy, unsavory things, but I just wanted to thank you for you the haven't quite gone down Please the eat bugs. Well, here's the big caution. It says that brightly colored insects, most of their caterpillars are usually poisonous. So if you got a really pretty bright colored bug, then you should stay away from it. Okay? It, it so that's, would be just my luck that I would, uh, I would be pick the one bug that's poisonous to eat in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of embarrassing. Most little, most little maggots, i got to tell you, they're not poisonous. So just think, those little maggoty white things, they're not bright colored. 
They're pretty mm-hmm. bland, so go for it, you know? Hey. <laughs> so so don't eat brains and eat bugs. Check. So moving on to the next yeah. subject. <laughs> so do you, have any, uh, do you have any quick tips for um, just some very basic, like it, it, you're stranded and you have no medicine left and you have a horrible migraine headache? Or you contract a bad case of diarrhea. What what kinds of is is can we do something that's not an expansive long list of cures, or is there some tried and true things you can do to keep yourself healthy when you don't have much at hand? Well, one of the tried and true things for healing almost any disease is fasting, and you know fasting. <laughs> fasting. There's you can heal your body when it's not digesting food will be able to purge and heal itself of almost any disease in the world. Not not 100% of the time, but much of the time. Now, another thing that's really valuable, like if you've got bad stuff in the gut, then cloves of raw garlic are good for purging yourself of parasites and healing much of what ails you. In fact, there's a stuff called wormwood. If you can get a hold of some wormwood, that'll de-parasite you really well. So really, so really, what you're saying is we should all get a bottle of absinthe, which is made from wormwood, and just drink ourselves <laughs> until we're cancer-free. <laughs> so let me uh, let me close out this whole thing by asking the one question that sort of had us divided in the in the exercise, and that was whether or not. In a survival situation, you should stick with a community and try to form a community of survivors and hole up. Or if you should go it alone. Or maybe just go it alone with your uh, with <laughs> direct family. And actually, this is something that was kind of interesting, but because we found ourselves in the short you know, 45 minutes or so we were talking about this, actually having a pretty split decision on that and having it be sort of a heated conversation. And it was interesting how fast some of these things caused us to turn on each other as far as, well, if you've got <laughs> stuff, I'm going to take it from you. And if you don't go the way I say they go, then you can't be part of our survival group. And, and it's interesting to see how that worked. And so I'm curious to see what, what your feelings are as to which one's better. Well, there's a famous exercise that's been done in psychology classes and studies where they gave people, like, they set up a group and split them into people who were kind of prisoners and people who were prisoner guards. And they found that very quickly the exercise would often degrade into Nazi-like things where they take people and they start treating people horribly and doing stuff. So what I'm going to tell you about the community thing, and I'm going to, talk, I'm going to give you a few different things. There's no definitive answer. In general, people are social animals. In general, crises and catastrophes bring out the best in people and draw people together. And you're going to be better off as a group than individually. But this is where listening to the inner compass and guidance is going to be critical because the inner compass and guidance can tell you what to do at what moment and what was good one day may not be good the next. So let me give you an example. Elizabeth Heich wrote this wonderful book called Initiation, and she grew up in East Germany. And in World War II, her villa, where she and her husband had had their home and raised their children, was a stronghold during the bombardment when Germany was being taken over by the Allies. And the villa was kind of half-bombed out, but there was a whole bunch of people, like 30 people, who were staying in the villa. Now, they'd been holed up in the villa for over a month under this siege, and all of a sudden she got the message, now, you must leave now. So it was right for a month 
to stay put in the villa. She got the message. And she and about half of the people followed her and left the villa. And the other half chose to stay. The half that chose to stay, the men were all killed the next day, and the women were all raped. So that was a case where what was fine for a month was all of a sudden not fine. And that strong inner message made the difference between murder and rape or being safe. So, again, you must use the internal compass because there is no right and there is no wrong. And there's generalities, you'd be better off in a group. In generalities, if things really fall apart in the future, most people will be safer in a strong, tight-knit community than they will be as a lone wolf because the lone wolf, someone who's meaner, and has more people who can stay up and come in when you've fallen asleep to take your stuff, will do it. So you're usually going to be better off in a community of people where you can guard each other's behinds and you can cover each other and you can draw from your pool of, of united materials and united skills, you know, comp skills. One person knows this, one person knows that. You're, you're two. Synergy says one plus one equals three. Synergy says that together you're more powerful than you are apart. But if you're together with somebody who flips and slices your throat in the middle of the night, then obviously you're together with the wrong person. So that's so what Hawkeye, the tells you. You know what uh, You know what this tells me then? It tells me that you were right not Eric, to trust I Eric. Yeah. Uh, I think that's <laughs> 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 that I was right not to trust Eric. He was sending yeah. all sorts of gut-level feelings about betrayal and deceit. <laughs> Take a quick second and tell us about your website and how our listeners can purchase your book if they're interested. Okay, the website is www.wentechfails.com. That's when, W-H-E-N-T-E-C-H-F-A-I-L-S.com. And there's a whole bunch of great free articles and lists on the website. So, like, your grab-and-run kits, how to purify water, basic first-aid supplies you should have on hand, preparedness checklists, all kinds of free, cool stuff on the website. Plus, there's links to buy my book, both at Amazon and ChelseaGreen.com. And your local bookstore may already stock it a lot. You know, there's several thousand bookstores across the country that are getting them into stock right now. So if they don't stock it, tell them it's a great book, and they'll stock it for you. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, Matt, we really appreciate you coming on the show and giving us some practical advice on how to get through some of these things. And I think, honestly, uh, I'm so fired up about going to get uh, a bunch of pails of wheat right now. I can't even <laughs> head over to Walmart. And, you know, in my book, I've got places to buy the special buckets so that they can store the wheat for like 100 years. I mean, hell, you know, the, there was wheat that was still viable that was in the Great Pyramids. And 3,000 years later, they could, it was still edible and it was still could, could be planted and grow new wheat. So wheat's one of, brown rice turns rancid in about a year and a half to three years. It's toast. But whole wheat, if it's stored right, will last hundreds and hundreds of years. So lot, way longer than you or I. All right, well, thanks. Yep, thank you very much. Hey, you're welcome. It was hey, a pleasure. exactly how to survive a real-life apocalypse.
times, but it never actually turns out as dramatic as it is in the movies. And in the movies, it, we see so much good information or bad information that, that just is, um, is awesome. So I'm just wondering what particularly great movies have we seen that, you know, capture the idea of the end of the world and how to survive the end of the world and really either, you know, captured it in a way that is either enlightening or helpful or just scared the hell out of you and made it so that you want to take cyanide rather than stock up on supplies. So I'm going to throw this one first to Eric. Me. All right. Well, I think I'd have to go with, uh, I I think I'd have to go with either Dawn of the Dead or Shaun of the Dead. I'm kind of, uh, I'm on, I'm on the zombie kick. What can I say? And because you're afraid of getting attacked by zombies. Yeah, no flesh eating undead. It's, it's about, that's about as bad as it gets. I think Mm -hmm. plus they're more fun to shoot. Aim for the head. All right. Aim, you can use chainsaws yeah, on them. You know, it's fine. Headshot! Wiley, what do you say? Uh, I've got to go with the Road Warrior. Uh, oh, I think go. that's my favorite, just because it, it you know, with, with gas prices doing what they're doing, we, we may be there before we know it. You know, if you can make if you can make a wrist crossbow and shoulder and motorcycle and football shoulder pads while you're riding your motorcycle, if you can make that look work, man, <laughs> rock on, man. I'm you know the you. end times are here at that point. I'm a, telling you, we still need to have the um, the spiky uh, fuel truck with Karg <laughs> slap tied to the front of it. And Karg <laughs> screaming. Go ahead. Karg, give me your battle's cry at the... Uh, you can have a crossbow. I'll give you a crossbow. Give me your battle cry. Come on, man. Do it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That, that, would good. Work. that would work. That would strike fear in the hearts of the hardest collection of survivors. <laughs> Honey, get the 12-gate shotgun! Okay, oh, Phil, but I'm not done yet. Now that done he's yet. given his battle scream, give your um, give whatever your, uh, your, your threatening posturing is over your big megaphone now. Remember, you have football pads on, spikes and a G-string bikini. As usual. You must surrender your collection of Night Rider tapes. <laughs> Just walk away. Just walk away. <laughs> and then Karg says, WTF, noob. Give me your Hasselhoff posters. <laughs> hey, I think this is what? ending in gunfire. All right, Hawkeye, what have you got? I don't know, does Star Wars count as a uh, apocalyptic <laughs> film? Well, they do blow up a whole planet <laughs> right. there. Right. I guess that's an apocalypse. I, I, if, if Star Wars wouldn't count, I would go with like like a Red Dawn type thing, where, mm. you know, a plucky group of High students <laughs> all banded together. <laughs> Saved the world. Took yeah. out the Russian army. <laughs> Russian and Mexican army, I think, oh, actually. Russian and Mexican yeah. army. So that's one to worry about. called you Wolverine. It's funny, go whenever Wolverine. I think of the end of the world, I... I'm with you. I totally think Red Dawn as well. Wolverines! You know, I mean, a bunch of kids and all their parents get taken out. When you're talking about going to a retreat up into the mountains, that's all I could think of. Was the and Red they, Dawn they, kids. they went right to the right right to the uh, sports equipment store and got all the guns and. Yeah. That, no. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I would have done, just based on. Uh, you know, well, you guys, you guys totally know. stole my thunder. I was going to go with Red Dawn. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> okay, so here's here's what I want to know. I want to go around and find this out. If you guys were going to list it to a percentage, if the end of the world as we knew it or know it uh, happened right now, give me a percentage, one to one hundred, as to how what percentage you guys think you're actually prepared right now to deal with it. I'll, I'll give you mine first. I think I'm at. Ten percent. For how long? Um, probably. Right, let, let's just say, okay, I fine. Think, let's say it's a um, 
Let's say it's a oh. 90 day. 90 days. 90 days. Well, the other one is a sword and a Nostradamus before her, it's her predictions of modern times and the events leading up to Armageddon that have earned her so much attention. She was a never be proven, but her prophecies remain uncannily accurate today. When pictures seem alive with movement free, when boats like fishes swim beneath the sea, when men like birds shall scar the sky, then half the world drenched in blood, shall die. Spooky. I think the fact that she wrote all these visions in poetry makes it even creepier, Jan. Tomorrow night, our End Times Mania Fact or Fiction series wraps up as we take a look at the Eternal Church Triumphant, a religious group here in Denver that's stacking up years of food and getting prepared for the end. Something you only see here on Fox 5. I hope next week we're doing a piece on petting farms or fuzzy bunnies. <laughs> Coming up on Fox 5 News at 11, the Rockies are back with a 4 to 1 flash into the diner. And my one bunny is government comes back okay. 90 days 90 days with nothing else happening no other supplies or anything 90 days with nothing and and at that i'd say i'd still say 10% for me i think i i mean if you're saying 10% i can't imagine that i'm doing any better um, for 90 days so yeah i'd say 10% i mean there's no way i have nearly enough water or food for 90 days and you know i have i have guns and ammo i guess so but that's about it as far as coverage okay wiley um, well, 90 days is a pretty long time, but uh, I, I like my chances okay. I think I could probably go, uh, call it 30%. Ooh. That's, that's, that's assuming, that, that's of course, assu- I'm, I'm assuming here no, you know, that I'm not part of the government. If, if I'm at work, I'll probably last longer. Um, should I even ask Karg? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, f- I'm zero. <laughs> Okay. See, by saying I'm zero, by saying by saying I'm zero, you guys wouldn't come steal my stuff. Very clever. Right yeah, I was say you're the ones yeah, with the, the bug out bag. You just told us that that's what you're doing. Maybe, maybe not. Unfortunately, yeah, you're, you're, you're too far away for me to come and steal your stuff, so you're safe. Hawkeye, how about you? Oh man, ninety days is a long time. Dude, even Jesus only fasted for forty days, and what the hell's your problem? <laughs> man, he's the son of God. Too, <laughs> I mean, so. if I could get <laughs> somewhere. Then I could probably say 50%, but if I didn't, I mean, because there's running water up there, there's, you know, there's 
We got food up there. We got guns. So it's like, yeah, I could last 90 days 50% if I could get there. That's a big question, though. Otherwise, I would say, hey, Eric, (laughs) (laughs) let's pool our resources here, dude. (laughs) All right. And um, last but not least, Bill. You know, I got to be pretty much low as well because there don't there aren't any natural resources around me so it's essentially just the stockpile of crap that we have so yeah i gotta be right around five to ten percent but the alternative is just you know hoarding tons and tons of soup up in my attic <laughs> and uh, and then my neighbors are gonna look at me funny <laughs> if they i wonder what the shelf life of pork rinds is in a disaster scenario <laughs> oh dude i don't think the shelf right life now. of pork rinds is even a positive number so I think the pork rinds are likely to cause the end of the world. <laughs> hey, careful. Watch it. The preacher man says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River, she's a gold dry The interest is up and the stock market's down And you're only getting mugged if you go downtown Country boy can survive Country folks can survive Because you can't stop us out And you can't make us run Those wooden and moan boys raised on shotguns We say grace and we say ma'am If you ain't into that We don't give a damn Alright, so I think we found out here Some pretty valuable things Namely that uh, we're not all as prepared As we'd like to be But hopefully some of the information We've conveyed is helping you all To be prepared for short-term disasters Which will be alleviated quickly Like hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes That kind of thing Zombie And hopefully effort. no one A win will by the Democratic National Committee <laughs> <laughs> Or the RNC Does this podcast qualify as a short-term disaster? Off the record Do, do you guys Do you, do you guys think Viagra would be important during the uh, end times? I think it would be a tradable good, my friend. In your house, Derek? I don't know, man. I think you should stockpile it. I guess when you don't have other firearms as a weapon, you need to use something to bludgeon the criminal with. Stand back! I've got a 12-gauge shotgun and an 8 And it's a pump shotgun, that's all I can say. Uh, It is a pump shotgun. Okay, and that has been Taverncast 38, The Survive Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Ben Aloysius. This is Cromley. This is Infernal Bill. And our two guests. Uh, well, where the hell did Card go? Grab out Card. Come on. Oh, man. Card's gone. <laughs> and Card just left the building and quit the show because all these views <laughs> don't recognize it. <laughs> Price. <laughs> this is a pre-pre-recording of Card. Location unknown. And and our two, and our two guests who were Hawkeye and Wiley. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Buy your pork and beans and Thank ammo. You. Taverncast is recorded live in front of a studio audience. Taverncast does not endorse underage drinking and reminds those of you who are of age to have a stout heart and drink responsibly. Taverncast is a Snapdragon production. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com.
I don't know. I'm, I'm sure if a Chinese runs the uh, country, it might work out. I think they do run a country. <laughs> they do. It's called China. China. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's my that's my uh, ah, my contribution to the show. You know, it's pretty bad, dude. When uh, you're sounding more infantile and crazy than your child. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, Shut the fuck up! What are you? All that kind of stuff, and then we'll introduce um, Wiley and Hawkeye (laughs) slash Master Blaster. (laughs) Master Blaster. I'm calling you Master Blaster. If I I call you Master Blaster, I am gonna screw that up, and it's gonna get to Masturbator at one point. Well, it's not like we haven't gone there before. We don't have current again. Hey, hey, hey! Before, before we, before we go in there, I just had a thought. Like, yeah. Can we do? Can we do one show where we just do blah, 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 and then we, we just publish it, and they might think we're speaking in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> Taverncast Pentecostal edition. Next week, Taverncast takes on the hard-hitting and important topic of religion, and here is Card. <laughs> I'm speaking in tongues, noob. <laughs> Did you did you just call him Blarg? I'm cha- I'm changing his name. Who's Blarg? Yar! It's Blarg. Blarg. Oh, hi there, me hearties. Look over there. What the f, noob? Asians rule. Avastators. Avastators. Thanks, everybody. Thank you later. Thank you. Buy your pork and beans and Thank ammo. You. Thank you. Later Thank on. you. Now here comes the crybabies. <laughs> Went too a long. Special edition of Tavern Cast. We present you. <laughs> Talk about the end of the world. I think I shoot myself. This is Daddy how the end of the world sounds. Hey Derek, you realize you're supposed to feed him, right? <laughs> Derek, you're not supposed to hoard all your stuff right now. <laughs> Daddy, prepare. <laughs> Daddy, we're hungry. We want diapers. I want a 22 long range game shotgun! <laughs> Can I have a 9mm? <laughs> I can't hear anything. <laughs> it's waking up Mike's kid, come on. Bill's kids are waking up and crying. Stop it, my ears are bleeding. <laughs> That's the end of the world, get used to it! <laughs>